I bought a banana at the Kogos in Sharpsburg once, <laughs> and and the lady just looked at it and she goes, huh, a banana. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even know it was there. No that idea. I think somebody might have left that in here. <laughs> Did you pick that up off the floor? <laughs> we it's don't have that in the system. Someone dropped just, that out of their lunch I, Just pocket. take it. I wondered if she thought I was trying to sell it to her. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you. I have, I'm fine. I don't need a banana, hun. Thanks. No, I got these fried apples I'm going to have later. Hun. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Oven. It's 58 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Donald Trump's longtime personal attorney is parting ways with his legal defense team. ABC News says Michael Cohen is expected to lose his criminal defense team and start cooperating with federal prosecutors. Cohen is under investigation for various business dealings, as well as giving hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels for her silence about an affair she had with Donald Trump. The White House has denied the affair. Senator John McCain continues to improve from surgery related to brain cancer. McCain underwent surgery in April for an infection that his office said was a side effect of his cancer treatment. There's been no official update on McCain's health since that surgery, but on Tuesday, his daughter said the Arizona Republican is doing really good. That's a quote from her. Megan McCain told an NBC News affiliate in Phoenix her dad is really strong, walking and talking. The 81-year-old senator has been doing physical therapy at his home in Cornville, Arizona. As we head towards Father's Day, mental health experts say it's important to recognize postpartum depression is not just for women. study published in the medical journal Pediatrics shows depression among new dads increased 68% during the first five years of their children's lives. The peak is between three and six months and is caused by hormonal fluctuations, sleep deprivation, and anxiety over new responsibilities. Experts say men can combat postpartum depression by bonding early with their newborns through hands-on baby care, including nighttime bathing, feeding, and reading. A self-described beefy golfer just might get you a free sandwich on July 4th. RB says if England's Andrew Beef Johnston wins the U.S. Open this weekend, they'll pay off with a free bacon, beef, and cheddar sandwich on Independence Day. Johnston was a fan favorite during the 2016 Open when he said he would be drunk for a week if he won the tournament. He finished tied for 54th that year. Johnston made the tournament field this year by winning a qualifying round in England. Uh, Apparently, baby showers are kind of... Annoying. Out, outdated. Oh. There's just kind of mm-hmm. not the thing anymore. But today it's all about hatchlerette parties. Um, what? Hatchlerette parties are basically getaways for an expecting mom and her best girlfriend. Sort of the one last hurrah, the one last bit of freedom before your life ends. Before the, the egg hatches? Yes, essentially. Yeah, so it's, a, it's like a bachelorette party... Your mic's not on. Your mic is not on. It's a bachelorette party without the booze. So it's a girl's weekend getaway. Um Hatchlorettes. Hatchlorette. This <laughs> I don't I don't know what, what that is and why that is a thing, but it's a new thing. Well, t- uh, co ed baby showers are are ju- I thought that was just starting to be a thing, but now it's the hatchlorette party. Isn't it? Kind of well, it's unacceptable to have a, a have like um, a baby shower past baby one, right? I think so. They yeah. call it a sprinkle. 
Uh, I've heard. I'm sorry. What? I've heard. I've I've heard they call it a sprinkle if you have a baby shower for the second or third or fourth kid or whatever. I don't know. What does that mean? Well, you know, a shower. Oh. And then it's a sprinkle, so it's not quite as chance of rain. (laughs) Chance of a baby. Here, uh, come to my partly cloudy. Uh, Avengers Infinity War has hit the $2 billion mark at the global box office. It's only the fourth movie to do so following Avatar, which made $2.79 billion, Titanic $2.19 billion, and Star Wars The Force Awakens $2.07 billion. Kevin Spacey could return to the big screen this summer, according to Page Six, billionaire Boys Club starring Spacey and Ansel Elgort is finally set for release on July 19th, two and a half years after filming wrapped and Spacey is featured in the trailer. He was cut from the movie All the Money in the World last year after his sex scandal broke. He was also fired from House of Cards, but so far, seems Spacey will remain in Billionaire Boys Club. One of his co-stars in the drama, Richard DuPont, said it's time for Spacey to return. He tells Page Six columnist Richard Johnson, people have such short memories and Spacey is almost unrecognizable in a beard and glasses. Um, no. No. He's probably going to need to be prosecuted? I I was just thinking about that uh, earlier for some reason about Louis C.K. And uh, and I I was imagining that he's going to try to come back soon and it's not going to be okay. It's just not going to work. It's way too soon for Louis C.K. And what Kevin Spacey did, you know, there there are levels of awful. And what Kevin Spacey did or is accused of. He's up a few levels. He should be in jail. Yeah. For a long, long time. It seems like he's down just a few levels from Weinstein. Right. Like this is like serious predatory behavior over decades. With underage kids. Yeah. You know, that's it, it seems to be a little different, but I don't know. I don't think a beard hides that. <laughs> Though if anybody knows something about a beard, it's spacey. The city of Paris <laughs> set to honor late Doors frontman Jim Morrison by naming a public square after him. Morrison, who died in Paris July 3rd, 1971, is buried there. Uh, he'll be commemorated by city officials when they unveil Place Morrison on an as-yet-unannounced date and location. Also, the approval of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer's surviving family must be secured before the naming can proceed. Morrison's grave in a Paris cemetery is one of the most popular tourist attractions in the city. Sunny, breezy today, 80 for the high. It's 57 at DVE. Boy, is it ever sunny. I mean, it is, it's gorgeous outside right I now. I hope it's not as humid today. My God. Yeah, yesterday was uh, pretty brutal. Ugh. No doubt about it. Hey, we got Richie Sambora, Richie Sambora on the show later today, 9.15. I mean... He might make you sweat, pal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This might be slippery when wet around 9.15. Isn't that it? Wasn't that the Bon Jovi? That was the, yeah, album? the huge one. And uh, oh, yeah. also Stan Saverin. He might make you hot, too. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on the way a little bit uh, later on uh, in the 9 o'clock hours, matter of fact. And uh, what when I mentioned ACDC earlier, you said you, you saw ACDC when you were a kid at the... At, where? At the Igloo. At the, at the Igloo. Yeah. yeah. Was, it, was, it, was it the Melon Arena? Then? No, it wasn't the Melon Arena. It was Civic Arena. The Civic Arena. Yeah. So I was 16 years old. This guy, uh, Tom Donahoe, I think his dad worked at the Civic Green or something. He got less front row seats. Not the former GM. No, no. This is a, this is a different guy. Okay. Different no, Donahoe. Not, not a different Donahoe. 
Um, he gets us front row seats. I was so excited because I obviously I'm always in the upper deck at everything I go to. So I'm like, <laughs> front row, it's unbelievable. So I'm 16. <laughs> Thunderstruck just comes out. You know, I don't know if you've been, oh, did you go God. to that tour, Billy? No. Oh, uh, no. so they it comes out. Val, did you go? 1989. No. It was like 89. It, like, it was like 1990. I think. Okay. Yeah, 19, I think it was 90 and like or they come out, they come out of the stage. You know, they're like going, wow, 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 thunder. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is the greatest. Like one of, one of those moments when you're a kid, like I've never experienced anything like it. It's so loud. But right before the concert started, there was a guy next to me with this like jean jacket on, like Iron Maiden, ACDC, every Judas Priest, everything he's been to, he's got a, he's got a patch a patch right. for it. He's like, I'm like, dude, great jacket, great jean jacket, you know. I just wanted I just wanted to become friends with him. Dude, I was so great scared jean of him. He had the big beard. I was a little heavy yeah. at the time. I'm like, I'm so, such a slob. This guy's gonna kill me. He looks like Harley <laughs> Davidson, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> so we be, kind of become friends, like as a 16 year old and a guy that's like 40 with a beard with a jean jacket of uh, yeah. you know, patches. Yeah, totally normal. So, yeah. so the concert goes on. It's an unbelievable show. And we're just having a great time in the front row. I'm sweating so bad. I'm jumping up and down. And <laughs> on the last song is for those about the rock. They get these huge cans. Yeah, the, the cannons side. come oh, yeah. out. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and Brian Johnson, who's about to rock? And fire. And the cans are like, boom. <laughs> and I'm like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> this is the greatest night of my life, right? Greatest night. So in the middle of the song, I'm like, for those about to rock. And I'm like, fire. And I go to like raise my hand. <laughs> I get smoked by something. Boom! Something hits me right in the head, right? <laughs> Next thing I know, this guy's got me in the chokehold. The guy with the, the, with the oh jean jacket. God. Turns out, someone had thrown a sausage sub from Section E up in the Civic, <laughs> on the Civic Arena. Hits me right in the face. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Ricochets off my face. Sauce is all over me, and it's all over this guy's jacket. He's like, look at my jacket, man. Oh, my God! I was like, don't kill me. He's like, I'm like, it's all over me too. I'm pulling peppers and onions out of my ear. I'm like, I got peppers and onions in my ear. I go, we just got hit by a sausage sub from the upper tent, buddy. We both been attacked. <laughs> he thought it was you. Why he did he? I, I have no what? idea. Why would I turn in the middle of the greatest concert ever, pick up a sausage sub, and throw it at him? Who would do that? But it was all over this guy. I felt so bad. We're getting enemy fire from the upper tent. <laughs> Like, I know he'd had this jacket for like 20 years. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this has happened to you, but I'm 16. I've never been in the front row. It's the greatest show ever. Please don't kill me. Wait a minute. There's so, I have so many questions. Oh, that's so great. Who went and got a sausage sub right before the encore? <laughs> you know what? He's caught you. It's awesome. Well, I've been snoring a whole time. I'm going to go get two sausage subs. I don't do that. You're not going to eat both of them. Yes, I will. I'm going to eat them both. House is the first one. Now what are you going to do, Jag off? Now you got to throw the second one. Yeah. Look at those two idiots in the front. <laughs> Load it into your hoagie cannon. Fire it down to the front. Thunder! Wow! For those about to rock! Sausage! Sausage sub! And then I had to ride the teal. I'm like, you're 16, a little uncomfortable in your skin. You ride the teal. I'm like, covered in sauce. Couple hot, I think there was like a couple, saw a couple hot girls like from high school. I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> hey, great show, right? Yeah. What happened to you? I was like, I got hit with a sausage sub right at the end. <laughs> no big deal. It was a great show. Until the sausage sub annihilated me. It is the DV Morning Show. Man, to the bone. George Thorogood. Val, do you remember when MTV first started playing George Thorogood stuff? No. I do, because I, was, I, I had no idea who George Thorogood was, and I, it was really when I fell in love with MTV. I could not describe one George Thorogood video. They were just performances. 
couldn't <laughs> couldn't tell you. Bad to the bone. Other. It was shot in a bar. I, I think there's a few like I'm not going to add any to you then. I we, we have none together combined. Yeah. It, anyways, that to me it came out of nowhere because the radio where I was growing up wasn't playing any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this dude just came out jamming, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And then I just thought I felt so sophisticated <laughs> because I had learned that- about a guitar player. I mean, I think I was 11. But he was so incredible right from the get-go. You know, that was my first exposure to somebody doing anything like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I listened to Zeppelin and stuff like that by that point, but, like, I felt like this was new rock, and he had, you know, just that, like, in-your-face style. He was a badass. I'm telling you, that song, when it came out, you could not turn on uh, MTV or the radio, you know, once it became a radio hit. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. You don't recall that at all? I don't. Oh, man. I feel like that song was in a movie with Howie Mandel. Love Like a Man? Nope. It wasn't this song at all. (laughs) What are you thinking of? What song was it? Born to be Wild. (laughs) Well, because Bad to the Bone... Born to be wild, same amount of numbers. Both start with B. Both and are guitar rockers. George Thorogood did a song called "Born to Be Bad," right? Did he? I think so. They never had that on MTV, Val. Mm. But you know what? Mike Pursuta has your sports coming up next, and the uh, Buckos get a good effort out of Jameson Tyon yesterday to end the road trip with uh, on a good note, at least. Uh, I still tried to lose it. Yeah, they tried, but they they can't they, lose them all, Randall. No, you, you can't. Mike's got full <laughs> report when we come back. TV. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And the Buckos did end on a good note, at least. They did. Although, if you watch the beginning and you watch the end, you probably wonder how the hell that happened. But good stuff in between. Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Pirates Series finale in Arizona yesterday afternoon began with a fly ball to left field that should have been an inning ending out, and instead it turned into a deflection off the glove of Austin Meadows no. and bounced over the wall for a two-run home run for David Peralta. Imagine it wasn't he, off his head. Imagine what he must have felt when he looked in his glove because he thought he had it. Yeah, yeah though it looked like he did the way he was jogging off. He thought he had wall. it, and then he's like, why is everybody cheering? And then looks into his glove. Oh. That made it 2-0 uh, Arizona right out of the chute in the ninth inning. Felipe Vasquez turned a 5-2 lead into a 5-4 advantage with the bases loaded, but he was able to strike out Jake Lamb to end the game and secure a 5-4 victory for the Pirates. Uh, The line on Vasquez, one inning, two hits, two runs, both of them earned three walks and two strikeouts. He earns his 12th save. His sister needs to go on the road with him as a a therapy sibling. (laughs) What happened? He changed his name from Rivero. And he's been really shaky ever since then. Jamison Tyone went seven, six innings, two runs. They were considered earned because that's not an error on Meadows for some reason. I don't know why that I, isn't. Should have been seven shutout innings. So when the ball went off Canseco's head that one time over the fence, that wasn't an error? <laughs> Boy, I don't know. I don't I don't assume it was, but how? Was that not an error? <laughs> Somebody was talking about this on a broadcast recently. Outfielders get so many benefits of the doubt. Uh, the play several games ago, there was a fly ball to center. It was in Chicago, and Marte slipped and fell. Right. 
and the ball went past him and it was ruled a double. Why is that not a if, if you fall down before catching the ball? Right. Why is that not an error just because you didn't touch it? If you yeah, if it was in the infield, it's a, yeah, it's a it's simple play that you're supposed to make. Right. But outfielders are judged differently than infielders. That's interesting. I, I think it was John Wayner bitching about it since he was mostly an infielder. I love Wayner. <laughs> But hey, they get out of Dodge with uh, one win to show for it and improve to 33 and 35. Uh, good news is they got to Zach Granke, who had been 16 and 1 in his last 25 starts at home. Now he's 16 and 2 in his last 26 after lasting four and two thirds and giving up five earned runs, including Jordy Mercer's fourth home run of the year. Pirates improved to 33 and 35. They are off today. And uh, they begin a three-game series with the Cincinnati Reds Friday at PNC Park. Steelers uh, continued uh, mandatory veteran minicamp day two yesterday. And the defensive coaches were made available to the media. That included defensive coordinator Keith Butler, who said, yes, he remembers what happened against Jacksonville in January. And yes, he knows what went wrong. You remember that crap like it's yesterday. It bothers, it bothers me. I know it bothers me. I know it bothers our players. You know, we know what happened in the game. We didn't stop the run, and we let them score too much. Got right to the bottom of that, huh? Boy, that's uh... – <laughs> Didn't stop the run and let them score too much. Hey, Keith, don't get too technical. Not candy-coating that one. You know, dumb it down for the layman if you can. Um, I would have those stats – uh, projected on every wall that the defense has to walk by. You mean Jacksonville running the ball 35 times for 164 yards, averaging 4.7 per carry and scoring four rushing touchdowns? You mean that's that, Bill? Yeah, yeah, that one. You mean the Jaguars converting 8 of 14 third downs, 57%? You mean the Jaguars going 5 yes. for 5 in the red zone? Yes. You mean the Jaguars going 3 for 3 in goal-to-go situations? You mean Blake Bortles dropping back? to pass 31 times and being sacked, not at all. We might run out of walls. It was ugly. <laughs> and uh, that's where the defense is starting from. Uh, the, the good news is they are at least aware of that. They had, statistically, they had a very representative regular season. Really good numbers. Uh, that playoff game was a disaster, and they know it. Uh it was uh, a part of the continued trend in the NFL toward more offense, more offense. Steelers weren't the only team in the postseason that got lit up, but that doesn't make Keith Butler feel any better about it. You know, you look at the Dagum Super Bowl, <laughs> shoot, there's 1,100 yards, and how many, how many points were scored in the Super Bowl? A ton. I don't like the way that's going. You know what I mean? So we got we to gotta try to try to stem that a little bit. It seems like you're sort of up against it. Everybody wants offense, don't they? Speaking yes, but they're not coaching defense. So, hey, if everybody wants offense, that's fine. Everybody wants daggum points. And, you know, it sells more tickets. It makes more money, all that good stuff. But it still bothers the heck out of me and I always will. Very encouraging. First media availability of the new season for Keith Butler. And they figured out that they gave up too many points. And we got two gums. Yeah. So it's a good, good starting point for him. Good dadgum count. As for, uh, we should, should we keep track of that this year? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's a good idea. All right. There's two. two. Ding, ding. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Randy Feekner uh, and his offensive coaches <laughs> talked to the media on Tuesday. And uh, one of the subjects I broached with Randy was his close relationship with quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Feekner said that uh, he doesn't anticipate that's going to change despite Feekner's promotion to offensive coordinator. 
The relationship has always been respect uh, first. He knows I'm going to give him an honest day's work, whether I'm his quarterback coach, whether I'm his offensive coordinator, whether I'm both, or whether I'm just his friend, and, and I'm not here. I'm going to be his friend for a long time, and that's not going to change. And it's not going to change whether we win, win ugly, win great. It's not going to change. Uh, we have a communication line. Uh, there's respect there, and we'll move forward with that. As for uh, how Feekner intends to coach the offense and coordinate it, uh, more specifically where, either from up in the coach's box or down on the sideline, that remains uh, to be determined. I don't know that yet. We've talked about it. I think probably it'd be best if it would be down because you you get a feel and you're you're there and it's great communication with the quarterbacks. Um, but you know with technology now and you can get on the, the headsets and, and talk and you can do all those kind of things. You can do that equally as well from the box in, in some regards. But we'll probably try it both ways in the preseason. And I kind of look forward to that too, just to see. I talked to Randy Feekner on Tuesday. I talked to Keith Butler, Joey Porter, and Tom Bradley yesterday. Nobody said they were feeling too much pressure, and nobody attacked the media for having the audacity to report what they said. So that's Again, good. there's that. Yeah, you can't compare A.B. to anybody else because he is unlike anyone else. Yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. He's part of his problem. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like how I was trying to say it yesterday is that the way I look at that stuff is like, this is not a Steelers problem when Antonio Brown has these weird meltdowns that are not based in reality. They're Antonio Brown problems. He's got to figure this out for himself. They are, but but if there are Antonio Brown problems in the fall, then there are going to be Steelers problems. It is June, and I think this was him just venting and a necessary release of steam, and that does not exactly always come out as articulate as he wants it to be. So you don't think he's going to be ready for the rubber ro- workout room in uh, No, October? he's nowhere near that. He's just no. all... This is, this is vintage AB. I never said that. You guys put words in my mouth. AB, you said it. So you're doing it again. Call me Ronald. Yeah, he's... Yeah. When things are good, things are good. He was He was a little... He reminds shaken. me of Kanye West a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, get a easy... Get a all-day ride ticket on the crazy train, but he was a little bit different the other day. Oh, are you like actually I agree. That's, that scrum, like watching the video of that was was bizarre. He was a little uh, emotional about it. Uh, usually he gets, even that Call Me Ronald stuff, he was, you know, obviously acting a part and just staying with it. And He's usually more on script, so to speak. Uh, he was a little bothered the other day. Yeah. Well, which, I think it know, goes beyond football. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Which, you know, that stuff can crop up again, too. Sure. The good news is he's got access to plenty of help. I'm sure there's a Steelers psychiatrist there and, you know, people are, I'm not even joking. Like, there's somebody for them to talk to, I'm sure. There's at least a sports psychologist nearby who can be like, hey, A.B., I smell a bit. Or just, you know, sit down and have a long heart-to-heart with Ron and... <laughs> Talk it out. You know? Well, well, you heal Ronald Ocean, you heal AB. Well, that'll be the real worrisome point. Is it, if he starts saying that Ron, feel, Ron is fine. I feel great, but Ron's in the yeah, tank. right, yeah. <laughs> then you know, sudden it's like primal fear. <laughs> then you know we're in trouble. Primal fear. <laughs> Fowl's got news. Top of the hour. 
Well, all that food in the office is killing your diet. Who didn't know that? But it's official now because some scientists said so. Mm. Uh, Sunny, breezy, 80 for the high today. It's 60 at DVE. Richie Sambora is going to join us 9.15 this morning here on the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. Father's Day is this Sunday. Yeah. What are you guys getting me? Nothing. Okay, fine. You're not my daddy. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm a dad. I don't care. Now, you know what? We're just supposed to go buy for all the dads. <laughs> every dad gets a gift. It's not happening. That's right. From everybody. Just get me a gift card. I used to, I mean, my. I'll wish my sister a happy Mother's Day, mm-hmm. but I never, like, say anything to my brothers, like, hey, happy Father's Day, you know? Do you get your sister anything? No. Hmm. No. She's got people getting her stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has kids. Yeah. We usually do. Like, if we get together, we'll get... We'll get all the the mothers, like, you know, a flower basket or something. But you don't do it for the fathers. Well, I'm expecting it. Well, I don't know. (laughs) According to a new survey, 22% of people won't buy Father's Day gifts for their dad until Father's Day. Dad gummit. Dude, go to Rite Aid, get him a belt. You're good to go. (laughs) And some reading glasses. That's right. (laughs) So, like, if somebody's on the way to meet their dad for lunch, they stop into the Rite Aid. Get them, uh, you know, like I said, the belt, uh, a gift card, something. Sure. It's always, you know. Gift cards are fantastic. But here's something that this uh, survey discovered that's kind of sad. He'll pretend it doesn't bother him, but it it does. It does. It does bother him. In another survey, they found dads really do care about Father's Day a lot more than they let on. 93% of them say they really want to get a gift on Sunday, even though about half of them won't admit it to their kids because that's not like a manly thing. They're like, Right. Well, they just want to be appreciated. I've admitted it, that I my disappointment, and I've heckled my wife into... Getting you know, better gifts? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, look, I, don't, I didn't even want anything to begin with. Give me a coffee mug. Give me a to-go cup. I, uh, something I, one year, my dad was bitching constantly about his fishing pole. We, and, uh, he used it as an excuse. He wouldn't go fishing with us. Cause mm-hmm. we used to go fishing all the time. Cause we lived right on Lake Erie. So we would go out literally, you know, a few hundred yards and we could go down and go fishing. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun, but he never wanted to do it. Cause his rod was messed up. You know, he had the old Zebco reel that was like all. A rat's nest inside of there. <laughs> so I bought him like a fishing pole. Like I got a nice one. And that's um, a fantastic gift. And he never used it. He's oh. like, I'm like, oh, you just don't want to go fishing. <laughs> like you've been lying to us, you bastard. That cu- couple that with the fact that the one Christmas, and it was when I was working down here, and I got him, he loves 50s music. And he had just somehow lucked into a CD jukebox that. Uh, fell off a truck. Oh, so I'm like, oh, I'll plug Good it with him. the '50s music for him. And I got him some box set of doo wop, and I wrapped it. And he like, I was like, here you go, Haas. And he was like, oh man. And he holds it up and goes, now do I have to return this in Pittsburgh or can I return it near? <laughs> Had not even opened it up. So when I tell you I don't feel dad or bad, just sending my dad like, uh, hey, I know you'll use this gift card at the casino, whatever. The, at the uh, <laughs> do at they the have casino there. gift cards? I think just you like can buy a Visa for the steakhouse. Uh, for the steakhouse there, yeah. And you can just get somebody like a Visa gift card that's good yeah. anywhere for cash. Yeah, yeah. I know he'll use that, but my I don't think what I'm saying is I don't think this applies to my dad. <laughs> 
He's not an easy person to buy gifts for because he, he just doesn't want them. I feel like I'm super easy. Anything for the house, any kind of little tool, any little thing like that. And I said, look, just bring receipts. You know? <laughs> That's it. Just in case. I might need to swap that. Father's Day this Sunday. So don't be one of them people. It stops at Rite Aid on your way to meet your dad. Go Saturday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go to Rite Aid well before Sunday. Here's the Black Crows TVE. My shoulder. Yeah. Black Crows. Hard to handle. Val's got your news when we come back. What do you got, Valerie? Oh, all those cupcakes in the break room are killing your diet. I know. Which, who didn't know that? But... Somebody did a study, so oh. make it official. It's official. No, but I think this is good stuff to highlight because I I think a lot of times I know I don't even like I think it's a wash. Oh, it's a it's a work treat. This is not part of this is not well, gonna register. And it's mindless eating too. Yep. Yeah. Like our boss has a candy dish on his desk and I constantly am going there. Yeah. I used to yeah, like that's go a get trap. I try not to go in there now. Because if I do, I'll at least take one thing. But a lot of times I'll be like, well, I'm going to be leaving soon. I might as well take one for the drive home. <laughs> right. well, I need a lure- He's luring you in there with that yeah. candy dish. He's like, well, I got you in here. Oh, damn it. <laughs> the door uh, just closes. Don't forget the DV Comedy Festival is only a couple of weeks away. The first two uh, shows on the first night of the Comedy Fest sold out. But the two shows on Saturday, some tickets still remaining for the two podcasts will be uh, broadcasting to uh, Interspace live. That's right. The Doug Benson, Doug Loves Movies podcast, live from the Rex Theater. Uh, that's going to be a 420 start, because Doug likes to start everything at 420 with good reason. And then, Saturday night, Burt Kreischer's Burtcast live. That's a 9 p.m. show. Tickets for both of them available on the events page at dve.com. It's 58 degrees at DVE. The news is bought to, brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. Today is World Blood Donor Day. Blood levels off, often reach dangerously low levels during the summer vacation season. Donated blood helps save the lives of millions of people each year, including car accident victims, cancer patients, people with severe anemia, and women with pregnancy complications, among other things. There are lots of central blood bank locations around town you don't have to wait for a blood drive you can just go any day of the week pretty Mm -hmm, much and donate blood the first justice has been served in the hazing death of penn state fraternity pledge tim piazza last year 21 year old ryan burke pleaded guilty yesterday to nine charges related to piazza's february 2017 death in which the pledge got extremely drunk and fell down a flight of stairs. Four of the counts were hazing charges, four related to underage drinking and alcohol possession. There are 25 other defendants in the case. Burke will be sentenced on July 31st. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders is rejecting a report that she's planning on leaving her job. CBS News said Sanders and Deputy Press Secretary Raj Shah are getting ready for life after the White House. Sanders pushed back on the report, saying on Twitter she loves her job and is honored to work for President Trump. A source in the administration also said there could be other people leaving the White House in the coming weeks. I saw somebody post online, somebody tweeted out, you know, she said that she's leaving for personal reasons about, you know, her family. She wants to spend more time lying to them. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gaining weight, blame the break room. According to a new study from the CDC, the average employee in the U.S. eats an extra 1,300 calories a week in food found in the office break room. Experts say the irresistible impulse to snack on donuts, leftover pizza, birthday cupcakes has everything to do with the fact that the food is free. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's there. Right it there. Is. It's right there. Go ahead. All for free. Researchers say employers need to look at the findings and start offering healthier free food options for employee rewards and meetings. We get an email every single day. Hey, there's food on four. Hey, there's a bunch of stuff down at the, uh, you know, on five. Hey, the, we, we got leftover so-and-so on three. The refrigerator on this floor is full of food from something the ex did last night here. Oh, is all the, uh, like the Mexican food in yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, it it feels like it's uh, inconsequential when you eat it. Like, oh, this won't have any effect on my diet. I don't know but why they that rack is. up. I don't know either. But but you don't really think of it in that way. The one thing that I notice is if you, you go out in the uh, DJ cafe here, and uh, <laughs> it, there's like a pizza laying out or a bunch of wings or something. The the hotter things are, the the more recently they've been brought in. I mean, you are way more likely to dive in. Like, if someone is setting it down, ninety nine percent chance I'm going to eat it. So, I try not to go past that. Once I see it, I I can feel the brain chemicals start to go the when you urge. like. You're like, oh, wings, and then you have to let the part of your brain that says, "But it's only eight forty five a.m." take control. The problem is, is that you're not awake enough. You're not mentally strong enough to fight the lizard brain. At 8.30 in the morning. It's tough. Plus, I mean, it, it, for us, it's later in the day. Like, I get up right. at 3.30. Yeah. So at 8.30, yeah, it's, it's you know, lunchtime. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I always think, like, I, I used to say to uh, to our old producer, Slack, all the time, because he'd come in here with, like, a little bite-sized snicker or something, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, it's just a little thing. I go, it's not about that thing. It's about now you just let one past you. Yep. And it's not like, you know, if you eat a cupcake at 7 o'clock in the morning, like your day is going to turn around from there. Well, Rick Seaback will... to the couch. Yeah, Rick Seaback will come in and I'll just try to like... I'll try to paint the stuff he leaves here as poison. <laughs> in your own you mind. don't... Even though you know it's delicious. No, I know. The one... Those donuts he brought in, the Better Made Donuts. Oh. I let myself... I was like, all right. Because I don't crack eat, uh, donuts too often. Because when I do, I don't stop. He also recently brought in like bacon steaks. Yeah. Oh yeah, remember he brought in like Sticks. a meat concierge. Yeah, from um, I don't want to get the name wrong, so I won't say it. But I don't uh, know. it's his favorite barbecue. Yeah, place. it's oh. out. I think it's out like by Turtle Creek or somewhere. Mm-hmm. But... I didn't have any of those. Did you? Hell yeah. It was good. Wasn't it like don't, pork I'm tell belly? You. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to be ignorant about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> when I was that? a little kid, my grandparents lived right around the corner. Did they have a pet pig and you killed it? No. Oh. Um, so they used to leave the, the <laughs> you know, the food out on the t- after dinner. They'd leave it out to cool before they would put it in the fridge. So I would uh-huh. sneak in the back door and <laughs> my grandfather would say, here comes the little meat eater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little meat eater. I would sneak in and eat whatever meat was laying on the table. I mean, that's an adorable upbringing. Yeah. I don't know why your parents didn't feed you enough <laughs> I know. in the first place. Why you needed to go door to door scavenging? Well, you, you know, get hungry. I don't when know. You're the other neighbors beasts. might have had not so cute of a name for you. I mean, was that? Did you stop at your grandparents, or did you just Here keep chucking? Here comes the burglar. Yeah, like, exactly. Here comes. Don't feed Val. If you see her in the daylight, it, something's wrong. <laughs> After midnight. So meat is yeah. I. You've always been, uh, I guess, attracted to meat. Yeah. Well, 
That's that Franklin Heart. upbringing you had. <laughs> right, I mean, party stuff. Yeah, man. You grew up with uh, like all dudes around you and yeah. killing deer and eating it for months. And <laughs> right, yep. Rabbits. So, yeah. Did you ever squirrels. make your own jerky? You no. didn't eat squirrels. Yeah, we did. Yes, you did. Shut the front. Small game? Yeah. Oh, just call it small game and it's I fine? Mean, <laughs> oh, we ate rats. Yeah, it's small it's game. Cute. It's cute. We ate small game. No, we didn't. What's the difference between a, a rabbit and a squirrel? We ate small game. What's the difference between a rat and a squirrel? A rabbit. Oh, <laughs> a lot. Probably. I mean, you get like, about as probably much like the, the hantavirus or something. I, I'm not eating either. Um, I'll eat rabbit. Rabbit's delicious. I just don't want to meet the rabbit beforehand. Yeah, no, I don't want to meet anything. I'm you don't want to pet it. Rabbit is really good. I get, when I'm in New Orleans, I'll get rabbit. Mm-hmm. rabbit. Come on. No, one time I had. <laughs> I had frog legs, turtle soup, and rabbit. I'm like, I just ate my backyard. (laughs) This is horrible. I just ate a Disney cartoon. (laughs) What's wrong with me? But I didn't realize you actually ate squirrels. I mean, it wasn't wasn't on a regular basis. Okay, I was going to say not on the regular. It wasn't like on a stick. We didn't live on it. I'm not opposed to it. I guarantee you there's been tailgates in West Virginia that I went through through the years where I ate squirrel and stuff. Yeah, probably. It was funny because we had from, you know, Buffalo, Western New York... Ox roast is, you know, was a thing, which mm-hmm. is basically like, you know, it's like Arby's, but it's mm-hmm. not Arby's meat. It's just roast beef in an au jus, like, you know. Yeah. It's like a, it's it's crock a pot sandwich. type stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. a beef sandwich. That's it. <laughs> but it was called ox roast for some reason. And we became friends with these people down at the West Virginia tailgates when my brothers were playing there through the years. And my dad brought it the one time. And this guy, his name was Rick something or other. And they were, I mean, they were from the heart of West Virginia. And they were the nicest people. We tailgated next to them for years at the St. Francis High School parking lot. And my dad was like, hey, uh, I got some ox roast. Guys uh, ever have ox, ox roast? And the dude's like, you know, I ain't never been to one of them. But my cousin has. My dad's like, no, it's not actually ox. It's, I think it's the ox tail, maybe, or something. I don't know. Uh, it's like a part of the cow. But we're not eating ox. But that dude was like, all for it. Get the. Let's eat that ox. Yeah. You ever had bison meat? Oh, um, dude, yeah, it's I awesome. So, see, I can't. My, my stomach can't take that. I had like for a second when I was on this paint crew. I decided like, oh. Bison meat is gamier. I'm going to just, you know, pack on the pounds, muscle, and get the protein shakes. And I had gas so bad that they sent me home <laughs> because we were painting all the closets in this house. Oh, geez. The worst day. And he was like, dude, you got to go home. You have to leave. You have to leave. Come back whenever that's out of your system. <laughs> Seriously. This is unacceptable. They're going to be home later. They're gonna be home later. <laughs> set off the. We can't have the paint peeling as it's going on. Has to air out. I uh, I had a bison burger at Carmela's this past weekend down mm. on the South Side. It's oh. the one of the best burgers in town, man. It's incredible. You got to get it. I'll have to give it a try. It's. I made bison tacos a few weeks ago. Mm. Not as good as that guy's foot tacos. I'm sure <laughs> that we were talking about yesterday. A Florida man is under arrest after he called police to have his drugs tested. Not to have someone drug tested, but rather to have his drugs tested. Like, can you Putnam- see if these guys are, uh, if this is any good? <laughs> right. Yeah. The How Putnam County Sheriff's Department says 49 year old Douglas Kelly of Hawthorne told officers he wanted to press charges against the person who sold him his meth. Kelly reportedly told police he had a bad reaction after smoking the meth, and detectives <laughs> told Kelly, hey, bring it in. 
We'll check it out for you and test the quality. So he did. Uh, the sheriff's department says the drug tested positive for meth. Kelly was charged with possession. How many times did he step on this, though? Because <laughs> usually when I smoke meth, I just clean up the entire house. This you, time I did it and I scratched my face off. You know, uh, I watched a documentary last night on Hedy Lamar that Netflix just put out. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, this like gorgeous actress yeah Yeah, that was also like a genius inventor she helped invent the uh like technology for that we use today for wi-fi and stuff like that and it went back to she was trying to help the war effort and develop missiles that could be radio controlled without them jamming the frequency Mm -hmm. so it was like this hopping frequency Mm -hmm. technology she developed it's crazy but at any rate it just talked about her later in life and she was a patient of that Dr. Feelgood guy. Do you remember? He was like the doctor to the stars. Mm-hmm. And even Kennedy, I think. His name was Dr. Feelgood back then. He ended up losing his license in uh, the early 1970s, but he treated a million stars on the Hollywood sets and stuff back in the day. Like Louis B. Mayer would be like, or Cecil B. DeMille would be like, Charlton Heston looks tired today. Moses can't be tired. Give him a shot of vitamins. Wake him up. And you know what he was giving he physically them? Physically goes out B, there and parts the sea. That's what he said it was. It was meth. Because meth was legal back then. You could obtain God. meth, and he was actually injecting you. He did. He, everyone, he made <laughs> addicts out of all these people. But they have to force them to leave the set. Guys, we're done for the day. It's a wrap. <laughs> He's giving Come on, let's do one more scene. <laughs> one more scene? Moses is just <laughs> sprinting. Uh, Why is Moses grinding his jaw? <laughs> Can we get him a bike tire or something to chew on? Moses, you ran through the... Through the... Uh, the desert pretty fast there. You bring it back. He runs up to the hill. He like, puts out Ooh. the burning bush. <laughs> you did your makeup really good. You have a lot of blisters on your lips. <laughs> I haven't been to the makeup chair yet. You're supposed to part the Red Sea. You don't have to swim back and forth. <laughs> In music news, the Allman Brothers Band is set to release a live four-disc set titled Peach Picks, Cream of the Crop 2003. Available tomorrow, the collection includes a more than eight-minute version of a band rarity called Desdemona, which was recorded during the band's tour oh, that year in support of the song. album Hitting the Note. According to longtime guitarist and singer Warren Haynes, the new concert collection could be the first of many more live compilations from the band's archives. And Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member John Mellencamp will add Songwriters Hall of Fame to his resume when he is inducted tonight at the ceremony at New York's Marriott Marquis. Here he is explaining exactly what it is that makes a good song. A song can be good for many reasons, but a great song is a song that somehow is able to work itself into a person's psyche, his mind, and becomes part of that person. When Mellencamp started out, he just considered himself a singer and didn't think he needed to write his own songs. I got a record deal. I thought I was just going to sing, you know. And they said, no, you got to write songs. It's like, what? Write songs. So, in essence, I ended up writing songs and growing up in public with my songwriting. Also being inducted tonight are Alan Jackson, Cool in the Gang, and Jermaine Dupree. Sunny and breezy, 80 for the high today. It's 60 at DVE. Yeah, it is uh, the DVE morning show, and we're going to have Richie Sambora on later on, 9.15 a.m. Looking forward to that. Also, Stan Saverin. He's got a new album. Not Stan. Stan doesn't have a new album. (laughs) He's still playing the old hits. But Richie (laughs) has a new album, Radio Free America, and we'll talk with him about that. Uh, You know, it's funny. You were talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders 
uh, you know, possibly stepping down at the end of the year. And then she denied it. And you said that there was a joke out there about her. You know, she wants to go home and spend more time lying to her family. <laughs> I mean, she. I wonder if she lies to her kids the same way. Like if they ask, the, like, you know, how she deals with the, pre- uh, the press. If her kid's like, Mommy, is there a Santa Claus? She's like, I'm not going to answer that. Fr- frankly, I find that, that question ridiculous. <laughs> Santa's very happy bringing presents to you every year, and things are just going great for I'm you. I'm going to have to submit you to the outside council for that question. <laughs> I'm happy to discuss it with Santa Claus later. No! Yeah! Did you see that girl drumming Led Zeppelin on the internet? Like, seven-year-old girl or something like that? Uh-uh. So good. She's like awesome. eight years old or seven or eight. I'm telling you, YouTube's teaching all the kids. There's going to be some badass Rockers. bands coming up of uh, young kids. Well, heck, we've seen it here from time to time. Avery. Uh, Did I yeah, show you the dude, video? Kid. How old's he now? Mm, I don't know. He's probably got to be at least 10, 10, 11. Wow. Did I show you that video of my buddy uh, Max Lamb? No. Kid, he's 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 blind, mm-hmm. and he's in a band, mm-hmm. and he's a drummer, and he's killer that's awesome yeah the kid is more act- he, he wrestles he i mean he water skis he's more active than me it's crazy yeah. it's not hard to be more active than me that's true but that kid sounds like he's more active than most people in general <laughs> yeah um mike has your sports coming up when we return the buckos get out of this road trip with a w ended on a good note even though it was a little hairy at times and uh the steelers you know some of the, some of the guys they understand where ab's coming from even if they don't have the same type of meltdowns that AB seemed to experience the other day, they can empathize. They all been there. Everyone's had that frustrating day at work where you just go off and say things that don't make any sense. Though AB really made very little sense and uh, only seems to be making things worse for himself. Hopefully, he'll uh, be able to gain a little perspective here going forward. And uh, I, I just the way I picture AB, I think he forgot that he said all that stuff already. I think it's... For him, it's done. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong. But as they pointed out in USA Today yesterday, you know, the Steelers' offseason issues have been numerous. And we've been sort of taking glee in the fact that the Patriots are having a, a few bumps in the road with Brady and uh, the suspension for uh, Edelman and Gronk may or may not come back. You know, that whole right. saga. Uh, there seems to be some rifts between Belichick, Brady, and ownership. But if you look at what's going on with the Steelers, with Ben reacting to the Mason Rudolph thing, AB completely melting down altogether, uh, Levy on Bell, who is just constantly stirring it up. He's in the studio with Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. So we got to, you know, for a, a team that wanted to avoid another year of soap operas, Boy, we're surely writing a script, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's got the uh, full details when we come back. And once again, Richie Simbora coming up 9-15-8. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Steelers got through day two of mandatory veteran minicamp yesterday uh, with nobody threatening to melt down because all the pressure they perceive themselves to be under. That was not the case on day one of mandatory veteran minicamp, Antonio Brown not in the greatest of places right now. Well, I'm still under pressure. You know, you guys in my face asking me about not showing up to volunteer practice. You know, uh, that's the world we live in, though. Yeah, A.B. is uh, feeling the heat uh, from uh, most likely a lot of places. 
And uh, it's up to him, first and foremost, to deal with it. It's up to every player in the NFL to, to confront pressure at some point uh, in some fashion in whatever manner they can to keep it at bay. Uh, ben Roethlisberger talked a little bit about that yesterday. I mean, I put pressure on myself, you know, um, to want to be the best. I think everyone in this locker room feels some kind of pressure, you know, whether it's from family, from uh, friends, teammates, media, um, fans. I don't know if I said fans yet or not. You know, just every. I mean, there's there's lots of pressure to win and to be great. For me, it's about having strong faith, um, having a good group of uh, friends around me, you know, bouncing it off teammates. If you have an issue, you know, um, there's a lot of guys in this locker room that have either been through it or are older that can talk to you or, um, you know, maybe it's not even someone in this locker room. Maybe it's just a, a friend on the outside that doesn't have to deal with it. You're just, just talking to someone. So that's the way I've dealt with it is just kind of having good family and friends around me to talk to. you ever remember it getting to you? I mean, it, yeah, it gets to you. I think, I think there's been times in games, you know, like where I've either played a bad game or, or you know, even a situation where maybe you're talking to the media or a fan or something like that and you just, you've had a bad day and you, you know, the, it just kind of gets to you. We all have boiling points. We all have that, um, you know, that cartoon where the steam comes out of our ears, you know, and you just can't kind of control it. And, um, you know, we as professional athletes in this industry have to do our best to be able to control it. Um, even when we have a bad situation or a bad moment, we need to find our way to reel it in. But um, it's not always easy. We are human, you know. We are human, you know, even if the steam doesn't actually come out of our ears the way it does in the cartoons. Uh, he said everybody in the locker room feels it at some point, at, at some level. Ramon Foster said, uh-uh, not me. Pressure playing this game? Yeah. A football? Yeah. No, no pressure. This is fun to me. I enjoy this. I enjoy the sport of it. I enjoy the trash talking. I enjoy me trying to see if I can dominate a guy. I enjoy the critics, all of that. I love proving people wrong. I love when somebody walk across me and be like, oh, this is cake. And I work them to death. And I let them know, like, hey, I gave you this work this weekend. You know, and then they'll tell you, hey, I know about you. I respect you. You know, I love that part of it, of the grind of it. I live in this. I, I, I'm passionate, as you can see. I absolutely love this operation. The only regret I ever have about this game was the time it took away from me and my mom. That's the only regret I ever have. When I lost my mom in 2014, I said, screw football, because I was like, that's something I can't get back. I always said when I was done playing ball, I was spending more time with my mom. But everybody always tell me she was more proud of me doing this than anything else. So that, that brought me more comfort. But I was mad at the game a little bit for that. Other than that, I love it. See, but these are guys with different mental makeups. Yep. Different yeah. pressures put on them. Ramon Foster, no offense, does not same face the same pressures as Ben Roethlisberger as Antonio Brown. No, and there, every guy in there has a different makeup, right? Right. They're all they're all unique. Uh, David DeCastro talked about uh, the evolution of his career. Uh, he said he's felt pressure before, but he doesn't anymore. He used to. No, I don't care. He used to when you're young. You know, there's a lot of pressure, and the older you get, the more, I don't know if that's part of life, but you start to care a little less about the things that, you know, don't matter. I'm not saying I don't care about football. I love football. But that pressure's going to be there myself no matter what, right? So you've got to learn how to control it and use it use it the right way and not let it not let it hurt you, if that makes sense. It's just one of those things you kind of adapt to, and you learn how to do it, and then the older you get, the easier it kind of becomes. It's going to happen when it happens. I always said, you know, you know, no regrets. You know, you always put your best foot forward, do the best you can, and as long as you can look back and say you did that, who cares, you know what I mean? Another guy uh, who had something to say on the subject was Alejandro Villanueva. He said, uh, you know the pressure's going to be there, and it's uh, it's easier to understand if you know where it's coming from and why. 
I feel like you're under a lot of scrutiny. I feel like if you don't have social media, then that scrutiny, you know, gets divided in about, you know, half maybe. And so it's just a matter of the, maybe the tone of questions that you guys ask. I mean, sometimes you guys rush towards a player when he has a bad game, and you know that that, that news is going to be, you know, spread and shared throughout all the all the uh, the media outlets in the city of Pittsburgh, and that's going to create a. a um, sort of like a, the feel that everybody's watching you and everybody's expecting you to either bounce back or, or confirm their bias about what you know they feel about you. So it's very natural. I mean, this is this is you know, the, you know, part of being an athlete. This is a good way. This is very uh, well done by you here, Mike. Yeah, I love this. Well, it's just interesting. There's no games to play this weekend, so you can kind of use your time in the locker room to talk about some different stuff. And- yeah, but they're all saying things like I, everyone knows what Alejandro Villanueva was just talking about there. You know, Ben, when he's talking about that stuff, we we know the stuff that he's referring to. So that was a good roundabout way to get you to have these guys talking about all of their high-pressure situations, and we know exactly what those are. We know the pressures that they faced in the media. This Just in the offseason, two of the three of those guys have been a focal point. And, it, it, you know, things can get blown out of proportion, particularly in the NFL environment. And uh, Al had, had some things to say about that, too. He understands uh, how that can happen, and uh, he understands why it happens. I mean, you, you have to be, just be extremely objective about the, the data that you're receiving. Sometimes there's really good feedback. Sometimes you guys do a really good job analyzing, you know, when you have a bad performance or poor performance, you can't be living in a lie. And, and maybe you think you did a good job, but, you know, that play was more important uh, than, you know, than, 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 than you thought it was. Clear example is I went off sides against the Patriots. You know, I don't really go, usually go off sides. I'm pretty usually careful. But for some reason, I was off sides, and then afterwards I had a bad play. And I knew that that play was, you know, pretty significant. We, even though Juju was able to bring it all the way down, you know, that's, that's I think, as an athlete, when you seek comfort and um, in, in, in thinking that things are not a really big deal. But the media will let you know that when they analyzed the game, that was a pretty significant moment. And so you confirm it, you deny it. Uh, I think just like in the media, there's just a lot of things out there. Everybody has a voice. Everybody's trying to find a way of, of becoming relevant, uh, of bringing up an angle or a point that is the one solution to all the problems. And so sometimes they help you as an athlete. Sometimes, and most of the times, uh, they're just distractions and they're food for fodder for you know people to vomit out the mouth and have, get engage in conversations that are very useful and they're part of the sport. You know, if, if we didn't talk about football all the time, then it wouldn't become it wouldn't be the sport that it is today. So I don't mind and I embrace it. I think it's it's good when we're talking football 365 uh, because that means that the sport is very relevant. You know, if you if you watching the draft over watching an NBA basketball game, that means that football is establishing its true priority of other sports. And so I'm, I love the sport of football. I was that guy when I was in the Army, and I was not playing football for five years. I love being the Monday Night Quarterback and, and talking about Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers and when they had a bad game and, and what went wrong and why is you know, this tight end not catching the balls and I could have been a better tight end. You know, it's, it's part of the sport. You, know, you just have to embrace it, become a better football player, and you know, try to understand that uh, at, the, at the end of the day, there is a lot of scrutiny and pressure because a lot of people are expecting you to perform. Do you think, Mike, this is a journalistic question for you here, that you think that players a lot of times conflate opinion and commentary as reported news? Yes, but I I don't think that's just players. I think think that line has become unrecognizably blurred. On both sides? And Yes, and that's part of the problem. It used to be clear-cut, and that was a way of 
the public either being informed with hard news or understanding, hey, this is this guy's opinion and I'm just going to use it as food for thought or whatever. Now we don't know what's real and what isn't. Right. Because if some guy writes a column saying Alejandro Villanueva is a liability at left tackle and here's my uh, my proof why and he's using statistics and, and whatever. I mean, his perception is the media is saying I'm a liability now. Yes. And, and maybe the public is accepting that as more than just one guy's opinion. Instead of them being able to discern. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, it used to be you had the newspaper. And if there was a byline, your name, that was a news story. Okay, you're reporting things. If the guy's column, if the guy wrote a, an opinion column or the girl, there was a picture with it. And, it, you know, we see Gene Collier's face in the paper. That's right. His, that's his opinion. Now people are putting those pictures all over the place online in the paper. If you if you write a little nine paragraph thing, you've got right. your, your face next to it. So how are you supposed to know if that's news or that's opinion? Right. But it was really interesting to me to hear Villanueva, who's relatively a short timer. He's not a rookie, but he hasn't been here forever. And he's talking about the media rushing in and going right to the guy who had the bad game after you know when the doors to the locker room yeah. kick open, and he knows. Everybody, how, how many different media sources there are now, and everybody's trying to be relevant and come up with that angle that separates them and draws attention to them. So you just you got to deal with that stuff. You got to roll with it. And then the, the stuff at the end about him being the guy watching TV and carpet on Aaron Rodgers is pretty funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what everybody so, does. So he understands that's people are going to do that now. Right. That's, he used to do it himself. But it, it is all part of that NFL monster. It all feeds the beast. Yep. And. Uh, you know the guys that figure that out will be will be able to deal with it, and they'll be able to thrive longer in the game. Guys that won't will not. Mike Pursuta there with your sports. Great stuff, Mike. We're gonna hear some more from Al next hour. He uh, he had a lot to say, <laughs> as he usually does. Yeah, well, you know, actually, lately he hasn't. So this is well because I didn't want to talk about the national anthem. So yeah, I think he was pretty. Now happy. that I got you talking, Al. Yeah. Yeah, but I still think he was kind of talking in a roundabout way about all the the reasons why he didn't want to talk about the national anthem. Perhaps. But that was, you know, that was kind of the idea, too. Fowl's got news top of the hour. We got Richie Sambora on the show talking about his new album, Radio Free America. That's 915. It is the DVE Morning Show. Just want to give a brief mention the Buckos yesterday. Able to end their road trip on a high note, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't easy, but... Then again, why would you expect it to be, right? Uh, the game in Arizona yesterday afternoon started with David Peralta hitting a fly ball that got over the fence thanks to an assist from Austin Meadows' glove. That made it 2 uh, nothing Diamondbacks right out of the chute, but the Pirates able to rally, take a 5-2 lead, and that was just enough for Felipe Vasquez to uh, survive the ninth inning. He gave up. Two hits and three walks oh. and two runs, but closed it out with a strikeout with the bases loaded. Pirates win it Oof. five to four. They are thirty-three and thirty-five off day today, and then they'll start a three-game series with the Reds this weekend at PNC Park. Uh, that thirty-three and thirty-five record has the Pirates eight games behind the Brewers in the NL Central. Milwaukee shut out the Cubs for the second consecutive game yesterday, one one nothing. Cubs got shut out two straight games. Nice brew crew. Vasquez needs to bring his sister on the road. Or, Some, or just no change doubt. his name back. 
What's Vasquez versus Rivera? Do we have that breakdown? I've not broken that down. There should be. We got to get that for next hour. Hour. I think it's really good, really bad. I know, but I want I want concrete evidence that this name change has been bad for his baseball. And then we need to present it to him somehow. Uh, we can have his sister do it, deliver it in a song. <laughs> Telling you, bring her on as a therapy sibling everywhere he travels. A therapy sibling. Till he figures this out. Could she fly that way? Yeah, you got to buy her a seat though, because she can't be stowed. No, she can just sit on your lap. I think. On my lap? Sure. Fine. The DVE Comedy Festival is two days at the end of the month. Only two weeks away. And uh, the Saturday shows, still some tickets available. The Biome Theater Show, the Arcade Comedy Theater Shows, sold out. But we've got Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast going off at 4.20 p.m. on Saturday the 30th. He always does things at 4.20. And then Burt Kreischer's Burtcast live from the Rex Theater, a 9 p.m. show. Those tickets available at the events page at dve.com. We have Richie Sambora on the show, 9.15 this morning. His new album is called Radio Free America. We'll talk to him about that and Bon Jovi being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and how uh, how he and uh, JBJ got along there. Also, Stan Saverin and more coming up on DVE. It's the DVE morning show. You know, the viral video of the... Uh, uh, or the pictures, I should say, the raccoon that scaled the building. Is it still up there? Nah, it's safe. Uh, it started to crawl back down. I saw that, but I couldn't look. Yeah, the uh, the the hashtag MPR raccoon has been rescued and returned to nature. Oh, thank God. Yes. The dumbest raccoon ever. How many? Did it go up 21 floors? 23. Oh, my Lord. Like, how do you know not know by floor three that there's no food where you're where you're going? I don't know. It's weird to, you know, we always ascribe these, like, human thoughts to, like, animals when they're doing stuff. And we're like, oh, well, he's just doing this or he's just doing that. Uh, but they're animals. They don't think the same way that we do. Like, there's this video that's going viral right now of <laughs> this kid at a zoo. Aww. And there's a bear oh, really in, cute. like, the little pool area. And you can look in at the bear swimming it's glass yeah it's glass and the bear mm -hmm. is like got his paws up against the window and the kid has the, his hands against the window next to the bear and the kid starts jumping up and down and the bear starts jumping up and down with the kid and i mean it's got like a billion likes and everyone's like this is so cute but the the bear everyone's like the bear's playing no the bear wants to jump over the glass and eat the kid <laughs> Don't say that, it. That's, so when you watch that just remember the bear wants to just maul everybody oh, <laughs> and the kid wants to play with the fuzzy bear let me have that one they don't know you can't you, you got to remember i'm just gonna have to go look to fiona don't <laughs> oh the hippo yes the hippo oh, the hippo will kill everyone hippos kill more people than any other animals i know but when she's a baby she's so i don't cute. know have you ever seen how fast hippos can swim like you ever or seen run. that, that yeah. one video of the hippo yeah. swimming after that boat where it's just going up and down and it's swimming like it's like terminator hippo <laughs> right they're huge too yeah, there's your bubble there, Val. They'll trample you. you put, Fiona is a killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> put Fiona in that little She's pool. She's an adorable, <laughs> just yeah. darling killing, killing machine. machine. <laughs> Fiona would eat the bear and then try to go after the kid and his family. <laughs> what do you have next? Uh, people are really dumb about cars. You, had a, you didn't even have to qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> Richie Sambora, 915, Stan Saver, 945. Don't forget the DVE Halloween party this year. I know Halloween's a ways off, but you don't want to miss out on this. We have 
the one and only Alice Cooper for the DVE Halloween party this year, Friday, October 26th at Stage AE. It's an indoor show. Tickets are 45 bucks for that one. Almost intimate. Oh, dude, I cannot him. wait for this. It is going to be so much fun. October 26th, Alice Cooper, the DVE Halloween party. Nice. When I was a little kid, my grandparents lived right around the corner. They used to leave the, the <laughs> you know, the food out on the table. After dinner, they'd leave it out to cool before they would put it in the fridge. So I would sneak in the back door and... My grandfather would say, here comes the little meat eater. <laughs> yeah, the little meat eater. I would sneak in and eat whatever meat was laying on the table. I mean, that's an adorable upbringing. Yeah. Well, I don't know why your parents didn't feed you enough <laughs> I know. in the first place. And why you needed to go door to door scavenging. Well, you, you know, get hungry I don't when know, you're The other neighbors beasts. might have had not so cute of a name for you. I mean, was that, did you stop at your grandparents or did you just Here keep trucking? Here comes the burglar. Yeah, like, exactly. Here don't feed Val. If you see her in the daylight, it, something's wrong. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, what's going on, little meat eater? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 59 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Authorities are looking into a sexual assault claim against Sylvester Stallone. A spokesman for the L.A. District Attorney says a claim against Stallone is being reviewed after it was presented by the Santa Monica Police Department. Details haven't been released, but it was reported last year that a woman had filed a claim in Santa Monica about a sexual assault incident that happened 20 years ago. Stallone's attorney says the claim has been categorized Historically disputed, and Jamie Foxx facing a sexual misconduct allegation from a woman who claims he sexually assaulted her. TMZ says the accuser told police the alleged incident incident took place after she refused to perform oral sex at a party at his Las Vegas home in 2002. She says she was kicked out of the house afterward and had to be uh, had to get treated at a hospital the next day for a severe panic attack. Oh. Fox has called the allegations absurd lies. He said he plans to. Take Take legal action against the woman for filing an alleged false police report. Yeah, the, the reason you hear Bill go "oh" is because what Jamie Foxx is accused of having done—it's too graphic to say on the radio. Yes, right. But if that resulted hospitalized her, yeah, that would have been shocking to me. Yes, yeah. Now, yeah, well said. That's the only way to really say it, because otherwise. I don't know. I, I, I don't, they'll probably say it on the news. Tonight. They probably will. You think? He slapped her, but not with his hand. When she wouldn't. Right. Yeah. And I think that pretty much says, yep, it'll, that, that's, you said it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. A Cocoa, Florida man accused of making a social media threat to carry out a mass shooting at Walt Disney World. Redford County Sheriff's Office says 23-year-old Derek Itell was in a Facebook chat group on Tuesday when he posted the message saying, Five likes and I'll go shoot up Disney and hang myself. That was visible to more than 800 members in the chat group, only two of whom reported what he said to authorities. He is charged with making written threats to kill or do bodily harm with the message that was posted two years to the day after the deadly mass shooting at Orlando's Pulse nightclub. I think, I mean, you know, having been to Disney World and D- Disneyland, um, the security is unreal. Mm-hmm. I- I'm I'm sure they're well aware of risks that are out there. And 
I mean, every square inch of those parks is under surveillance and there's security guards. and Except the parking lot. Except the parking lot. Correct. Uh, everyone knows ride sharing has revolutionized the way people get around. It's solved, solved a lot of problems for a lot of people, but some of the people who call for rides are drunk and some of those drunks cause trouble. So Uber trying to improve this part of the deal by creating a new feature that will try to help drivers know how drunk a person is before they get the pickup. The company recently filed a patent for a new technology that would track its users' ability to interact with the app to figure out where they are on the drunk scale. That's total BS. That's not always an indicator. The system like, would I'm look just at- dumb. I'm <laughs> completely sober. Yeah, some I just pe- need a ride. Pe- some people are just Luddites. The system would look at things like how fast the person is able to push buttons on the app, how fast they're walking, and where they are. If they're moving slow and near a bunch of bars, they would get a lower user state score, and drivers would be able to use the feature to decide if they want to deal with somebody who might be hammered. Well, then every time my dad tried to get an Uber, they would be like, this guy's hammered. Like most people (laughs) over 65 have a hard time with user interface on you know, modern technology. Maybe they should just pair them with crazy drivers. You know what I mean? <laughs> be like, all right, well, if you're going to be drunk, then you get the crazy guy <laughs> who just put out a swisher sweet in his ashtray. There you go. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Police in California getting good pot for dirt cheap. Shop owners were allowed to stockpile unregulated marijuana just be- before pot became legal in the state January 1st of this year. New regulations on pot have since passed, and now retailers have until July 1st to get rid of massive bundles of weed, or they won't be allowed to be sold legal in, legally in the state. I don't know if it's like a, this expires by date or what, mm-hmm. but cannabis consumers are reaping the benefits as some top-shelf material being sold at a very low price. The American Kennel Club has released its annual list of most popular dog breeds, the top 10, Labrador Retriever. Labs yeah, are always Labs on are the awesome. list. German Shepherd, Golden Retriever, French Bulldog, Bulldog, Beagle, Poodle, Rottweiler, Rottweiler Yorkie, and German Shorthair Pointer. Top 10. That's a pretty specific one at 10. Most German Shorthair Pointer. It sounds like something from Urban Dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> I gave yeah. her the old German, German Shorthair Pointer. Pointer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people are really dumb about cars. So uh, dumb. New survey found 68% of cars currently have at least one thing wrong with them. And when people were asked whether they could handle relatively small fixes like changing a tire, mostly people said, nope, can't do it. Uh, 30% of those surveyed aren't sure they could put windshield wiper fluid in their car. 52% wow. don't think they could change a windshield wiper. 53 Sometimes those are tricky, but you should be able to do it. <laughs> 53% couldn't jumpstart a car. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> the amount of time. I, my entire high school existence was like, okay, let's see if it starts. <laughs> right. Get ready to get the cables at. 61% aren't sure they could change a tire. One in five don't even know how to use a tire gauge. That's bad. What's What's a tire gauge? Remember that thing I put on your girl bike? <laughs> yes. The other day? Oh, that's a tire gauge? Yeah. Remember when Scott Paulson changed your tire? <laughs> yes, I do, Val. 
<laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it, no, did here, Scott it, hold the, the car up with his left hand and change the tire yeah, with his right? He really did. That seems like yeah. he was like that Thor character from Adventures in Babysitting, <laughs> where he just saved me on the side of the road. <laughs> it Scott was, can just it, do everything. Like it, it was like twenty. Of course, below. you wouldn't change your tire. I, I feel He's like the manliest man. It was so cold outside, and I was like, Scott, I'll just call AAA. He was like, That's embarrassing. I'm in your car. I'm not letting you call AAA. <laughs> he is a gearhead too. You know, he's yeah, he's a car guy. There's no way he was going to let that happen. I'm in your car. That's so funny. <laughs> he's like, I'm not sitting here for 45 minutes while you wait for another man to fix your tire. Yeah. <laughs> another man. We're putting the donut on this baby and we're rolling. It was like um, basically he felt guilty by association with yeah. me. He's like, I don't want to be around you when you. When they show up. Yeah. This one, I have no idea how to do. Replace a blown fuse. 63% could not do that. No. Change your own oil. No, come on. 67% can't do it. Uh, That's tough. I've definitely never. I don't think it's as tough as you think. I just, I've never. You you have to go under the car. Yeah, I mean, you do have to go under the car, but. Yeah, it's it's what definitely messy. And you gotta yeah, you have the pan. Val probably yeah. does it. She grabs like no, Tim's skateboard. Gets some, <laughs> I I don't do slides it. under. I'm not trying to be like oh it's easy. I do it all the time. I don't. I've never done it. I just know, you know how how it's done. Yeah, I've seen yeah. my dad and cousins and everybody do it <laughs> forever. Now this one is pretty surprising. Researchers showed people different photos of car parts. Forty one percent could not even identify the engine. I mean, if I was standing next to Scott, I could. <laughs> There's no way. 41%. Uh, that's way too many people. The engine? That's like identifying the steering wheel. Right. Where is that? Maybe those people have never seen a car <laughs> before. Scott call you later. <laughs> Slash has filed a motion to settle his divorce from Perla Farrar so he can finally move on. The Blast reports that he'll have to give her $6.6 million and a hundred grand a month in spousal support until death or remarriage. She oh, ain't ever remarried. Good deal for her. Why That's a would lot of she? Because she marries someone even richer. Uh, maybe, yeah. Slash is going to keep all his interest in Guns N' Roses and his other companies, all of his trademarks and residuals, and all of his guitars. Dude, Slash has to play like one set of music to earn that much money. Yeah, that's every month. He gets a twelve. He's got writing credits on those guys. He is a a flipping millionaire a hundred times over. Slash has a lot of cash. Finally, we're we're trying to imagine it from our standpoint. Yeah, where it's like you, you know, you withdraw two hundred dollars and your bank calls you. Hey, (laughs) uh, is everything okay? What's going on over there? You buying a house or something? What's what's happening here? And George Thorogood. We talked at length about him this morning in the 6 o'clock hour. Because he's awesome. He'll soon add another award to his trophy case. On July 1st, he'll get the 2018 B.B. King Award at Montreal International Jazz Festival. He's the fifth winner of the award. It was just created in 2014. It honors exceptional talent that has left an indelible mark on the blues scene. Previous winners, B.B. King, Charlie Musselwhite, Taj Mahal, and James Cotton. Thorogood kicks off his summer tour June 23rd in Brainerd, Minnesota. Don't, don't you always wonder how those guys get those voices? Like, what did he come out of the womb smoking cigarettes? Like, yeah, and him, like, uh, Sully from Godsmack. I wonder, right. like, how those guys discover they could sing when they have those voices. Gargling gravel? <laughs> I don't know. George, 
Thoroughgoods isn't that. I wouldn't say he's like <laughs> Solomon. That's not too much. But. Have you ever heard him just regularly talk? Yeah. What's he sound like? A regular dude. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Can uh, you help me change this tire? Back in uh, Delaware <laughs> when I was coming up with the destroyers. Anyways, <laughs> I got to do this set. <laughs> Forecast today. Uh, very nice, sunny, breezy, 80 for the high. It is 62 at DVE. It's flag day. The DVE morning show. Well, the World Cup kicks off today, right? Isn't it today? In Russia. Russia's having a good couple of years here. Russia. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to sports fan violence, we talked with uh, comedian Brett Ernst about that. Who's Who are the toughest? It's more dangerous to be a fan now and less dangerous to be a player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the players, they, they... Oh, Troy, by the way, not to switch gears, but Troy Aikman had the best point. He said, just don't let them wear helmets anymore. Like yeah. they did back in the day. Give them the old leather things and then let them, let them bowl it. Oh. I think that would still be kind of fun to watch. Take the pads away. That would be some some pretty. Then you just don't run with reckless abandon into somebody. But but they would. But then the announcers would be like, and there he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Look at him go. There's Billy Crazy Legs Hash. (laughs) Take it back to the forties. You know, just give him those big inflated like leather like you know pig bladders that they would have to carry around. (laughs) But I I think I think even as violent, kidney, as dangerous as some of the stadiums are here, they're nowhere near. As dangerous as the soccer stadiums, agreed. Over in Europe, agreed. They're oh, starting oh, yeah. straight up fires in the stands. So people crazy. are dying, like a lot of people die every year. Yeah. Would you rather get in a fight with like your average soccer hooligan or a Raiders oh, hooligan all day? Life? I'll take a hooligan. Hooligans. Give me ten hooligans. No. <laughs> Give me ten. I'll, t- I'll take the Swedish kiss headbutt to the face, <laughs> and then getting hit with a blackjack yeah. piece of lead wrapped in, in leather. Yeah, that's how hooligans boots. roll. Yeah, I don't want to get knifed up by a shank <laughs> and my face axed out. A dude like, with praying hands, yeah. tat on his neck. Yeah. <laughs> like get my get a big X on my face, like I'm a snitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want to get stabbed for dry snitching <laughs> or reckless eyeballing, like you know, for tret, uh, set tripping. That you can do that, you know, just because I got a, a jersey on. I'll take a hooligan all day. The hooligans do it old school. If you're you coming from the shoulder, up. yeah. I, listen, if I would rather fight. Who, all right, if we're just coming from the shoulder, I'll go with. I'll, I'd rather fight the gangbangers because I don't think they really throw hands. Like a hooligan will get down from the shoulder, but if you're talking about risking your life, right. I, I'll take I'll take the boot stomping from the hooligans over getting shot and knifed up. They That's, seem to stop. They like if if movies or if YouTube is has any you know uh, truth to it. It seems that a, a hooligan beating stops once you've lost, and then you get one more shot from yeah, them. Yeah, they get you get the one to grow on. <laughs> by, by the way, um, <clears throat> why are these our only choices? Though, like, <laughs> how about just go to the game with my kid and enjoy it? Can I, can I do it? DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's the word? Sports is brought to you by Mattress Firm. Let's pick up initially where we left off last hour in our. Uh, examination of pressure and how NFL players in general and the Steelers in particular deal with it. That was a subject that was brought up so eloquently this week by Antonio Brown, who let everybody know that, uh, man, he's feeling a lot of pressure and he thinks a lot of it's media-driven. It can come from just about anywhere, but it is ever-present in the NFL. Uh, One guy who has a completely unique perspective on that is Alejandro Villanueva. We heard him talking 
at length last hour, and Villanueva is a guy who understands what real pressure is all about, three tours of duty in Afghanistan, life and death pressure, uh, the pressure to keep your comrades in arms alive, the pressure to secure the future of the Republic. That's a little bigger than Steelers-Ravens. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, Mike. But uh, Villanueva nonetheless maintains that while it is a different type of pressure he's facing now, it is a real pressure, and he feels it, and uh, he knows he's got to deal with it. It's the pressure to perform. It's not the pressure to survive or the pressure to have no fear. I mean, I have no fear. I'm not, I don't fear pass rushers. I don't fear them for my life. I just fear that they could, you know, show, you know, the, their skills on me and, 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 and I can get Ben hurt or I can get the ball out or, or, or you know, punched out. And, um, you know, that, that, that pressure is real. And, and it's the pressure to perform. It's not the pressure, you know, the military has nothing to do with this. This is pressure to perform. And you always have to do it at a very high level. And sometimes, you know, things are stacked against you. Sometimes it's a one-on-one matchup. Everybody's sliding away from you. There's no help. Quarterback slides to your side. You know, he's holding the ball a little bit longer. And, and, and you have to go above and beyond, you know, what's required. And, um, um, you know, that's I, I think that's what makes it fun. You know, that's the extra oomph, like, like Coach Munch likes to say. Uh, that you bring to the table and, and how where are you the situation on the field and and, and how how much are you gonna, you know how are you going to match the intensity of the situation what's required what's at stake with your performance and so uh, that pressure is necessary it's always going to be there it's probably psychologically affecting athletes in some sort of way but if you're able to cope with it live with it and embrace it see a part of the game and try to get better every single uh, every single time you face one of those tough situations uh, I think it tremendously helps your career. You know, one thing that uh, Villanueva said makes it a whole lot easier to deal with is knowing that number seven's the guy behind him. It's good to have a quarterback like like Ben because he enjoys those situations, those two-minute drives. I think most quarterbacks, I would say, most of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL want to be known for those fourth-quarter drives. That's when the money's on the line. You know, what are you going to do? That's kind of when you measure how good you are as a quarterback. In our team, sometimes we do no huddle which is nothing but Ben calling plays. So uh, we practice that so much. Ben loves that part of the game so much, and I think we feed off of that energy. But, you know, you also have to understand that you mess up a play and the game's over. I think um, my first start, I think, uh, against Tambali, I had a sack in the fourth quarter. Even though we're down by two scores, you know, there was, a, there was a chance of maybe kicking an onside, you know, if there was a quick score and whatnot. And uh, and you realize that the game is over. You know, that's, that's it. There was only one. There's, there's 11 variables in the field. And if one of them fails, then then the, the game is over. And it's because of you. <laughs> so it's it's the last play that you watch I mean, when you watch some film. You know, after that, it's in the film, you know, kind of, um, you know, so it's... Uh, it's the last taste of your mouth, you know, when you're watching a, a game, and if you lose and you don't have, especially in the fourth quarter, a good performance, then that weighs very heavily on you. And the fans know it, and your coaches know it, and everybody knows it. So it is part of the game. Yeah, I remember that play. Yeah, I do too. He clearly does. <laughs> Steelers will wrap up a mini camp today, and then it's uh, some time off until everybody's scheduled to report to St. Vincent College on July the 25th. As for what's going on this spring, uh, three weeks of OTAs, three days this week of minicamp. Uh, you guys might remember, you might not, but you might remember that last year at this time, I asked Ramon Foster if there was a guy who was, you know, relatively off the radar right. that had gotten his attention in the springtime, and he identified Mike Hilton, who was then a first-year nobody cornerback. Mike Hilton wound up being the Steelers' uh, slot corner and had a really good year. So naturally, uh, it was time to go back to Ramon yesterday and say, hey, 
Who, uh, if anyone, has gotten your attention through OTA slash minicamp season? 38. The the kid from North Carolina State. What is his name, Shoots? He's he's nice. Also, another one he's been here is O'Connor. Connor is looking really damn good. But as far as young guys, I'm going to give it to uh, 38. 38 and Connor have both had really good all season. Another one, just since you're throwing him out there, is Justin Hunter. Justin Hunter's playing. He's making plays that I hadn't made him see all of last year for sure. And Justin's looking like a guy. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin has a really good year this year. Deep balls, high jump balls. He's just catching combat catches. Justin has looked really good. You look at Connor's situation. Connor's a guy right now that's looked well conditioned. Coach Hill speak on that. But he's the guy that's finding a hole and going. He's fast. He's, you know, he's got to work on a few things with, as far as protections, but he's looking really good. Those three are, are guys I'm looking forward to seeing. But mostly Justin. Justin Hunter's a guy who's been in the NFL yeah. a while, but he's not really established himself ever. Played some games. Played some games, done a few things, nothing consistently. I don't know that uh, he's ever been described as making a combat catch before. <laughs> so that's new. James Conner, uh, the running back from Pitt, his knee's fixed. He's a lot lighter. Uh, he is getting uh, more people's attention than just Ramon Foster as this spring st- springtime stuff concludes. And number 38 is Jalen Samuels, the uh, H-back from North Carolina State, the fifth-round pick. Guy uh, runs the ball a little, catches the ball a lot. It's worth noting that uh, Ramon Foster didn't know who Mike Hilton was last year either. He said number 40. I think Hilton was wearing 40 back in the spring last year. But uh, if his track record uh, proves to be as reliable this year as it was last year, then expect big things out of Jalen Samuels, who uh, not so coincidentally does a lot of Le'Veon Bell type things at the running back position. He's doing more than just running the ball. He's, uh, he can move outside the pocket and catch, too. Le'Veon created the blueprint for this thing. I'm sorry to say it, but he, he, he's created a blueprint. If you're a young running back that's coming up, learn how to run the ball and catch the ball. He's made like two or three combat catches this year in the end zone, like back shoulder phase and just jump balls that you're like, this kid has got something. Receiver stuff, which is huge, and uh, that gives him, gives him an opportunity. You think that's a coincidence they drafted a guy like that this year? I don't think so. No, no, and he's just so stoic, too. Right, he, he'll catch the ball and just go back like it's just operation. You know, it's just work as usual. So that's what you got to appreciate about a young guy like that. When you said he does a lot of Le'Veon Bell things, I'm glad you followed it with at the running back position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not uh, just Le'Veon Bell things. I, some uh, some hobbies. Well, give, <laughs> give him time. You know, he's just he just got here. <laughs> Pirates are coming home uh, after salvaging one in Arizona, five to four yesterday afternoon. It started poorly and it almost ended horrifically. But Felipe Vasquez able to extricate himself from a bases loaded situation with a strikeout of Jake Lamb. That after Vasquez had given up two runs and watched a five to two ninth inning lead shrink to five to four the pirates improved to 33 and 35 they are off today and they'll take on the reds beginning tomorrow night at pnc park uh, chad cool against matt harvey good deal thanks mike Fowl, what do you got coming up well if you're looking for a job the white house is hiring and we'll talk about the best place to eat when you're drunk good deal it's richie sambor has got a brand new album out with his rso project o stands for orianthi 
the guitar player, phenom guy. They're doing like this it's dual a woman, woman girl, <laughs> who was in Alice Cooper's band. Yes, and she's his lady love, I think. Oh, really? I believe so. I could be wrong. Lady, <laughs> I think they're, I think they're a, a couple. All right, that'll be coming up. Uh, Nine fifteen. We'll talk with Richie Sambora, and obviously we got to ask him about having been Dennis inducted oh. into the uh, Dennis DeYoung. His <laughs> thoughts on Dennis DeYoung and having been inducted in, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently with his uh, former friend, now nemesis, JBJ. So over John Bon Jovi. Yeah, he just wants to be a. He wants to be Robert Kraft. He wants to be then one go of those be. guys. Go be Robert. Go Kraft. be. That's right. Well, you can't just go be. He already has one football team. Is this? Does he still have the Philadelphia Soul? I'm not sure. Is that still in existence? Oh yeah, is that league still around? Oats should own that team, Philadelphia Soul. That should be an Oats team. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. Stan Saver, nine forty-five. Don't boo Oats. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter, producer Joe Rakiki, sports Mike Pursuta, and Sean McDowell in the afternoons. Michelle Michael does the midday. Jack Boyle used to do the overnight. It's Jack. Program director, John Mashita. In the gold flash cube building on <laughs> Grinchy Hill. We have a big sign on the building. Yeah, there's yeah. a big sign. If you, That's yeah. us. <laughs> uh, I'm no stranger to the late night eats. After you had a few pops, you're like, you know what? Let's uh, grub. A new survey asked 6,000 Americans about their drunk eating habits. Any guesses as to the most popular place to go when people want to just soak up all the booze before they crash? Pizza shop. It's a national chain. Ooh. Think fast food. Yeah, I'm thinking either Mickey D's or Wendy's. <clears throat> Taco Bell. Make a run oh, for yeah. the border. Open late. By far the most popular place to go. 41% of Americans said it's their favorite spot for drunk dining. McDonald's is next at 25%, mm-hmm. followed by the Wafel House at 13%. <laughs> Denny's is 6%. And IHOP, which is now IHOB, yeah. is 5%. Uh, people really got upset about the IHOP thing. I'm not exactly oh God, sure why. Who cares? Yeah. Why are that really? That's what's gotten you uh, so upset that you're. Telling people, I'm upset about this. I'm so upset. I'm <laughs> going to continue to not go there. <laughs> we consume an average of 775 extra calories after a heavy heavy night of drinking. That's it? That's Yeah, that seems low. I eat a full pizza. So that's considerably more than 775. You bring the average up. Men are 790. Women, 759 extra calories. So consider I that. I said closer to 1,000. I mean... It's nearly half of your daily caloric intake that you're supposed to have. I forget what this place was in West Virginia. I think it was called Deepy Dough or oh, yeah, something dude. like Deepy that. Dough. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. It's a big ass calzones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just come back to somebody's dorm, just hammered and order up like basically a pizza folded in on itself. Yeah, we used to get those at Pennsylvania Pizza at Penn, uh, Penn State, which were, I believe, like just ham and cheese subs, like folded over. <laughs> Into pizza dough. Oh, every time I ate at Penn State, wedgie. or every time I uh, I got hammered at Penn State, we ended up with that at that shop where you just get pizza out of a window. I don't remember college pizza. On, maybe no. is that what it is? No, it's another one. It's uh, like a drive-through window, except it was on the sidewalk. 
Taco Bell, top choice for 31 states. McDonald is number one in 14 states. Five states across the South prefer Waffle House. I I I don't know where there is a Waffle House, but I've been by the Meadows. There's one. Yeah, I'm sure they're yeah. they're awesome. Out of the three spots, Waffle House packs the most calories. The average drunk order there contains 979 calories. Oh. I don't like going to those places. Like, there's been, like, I would put Waffle House and Steak and Shake in the same category where you walk in and there's a cop standing in the <laughs> lobby. Like, that's his beat is the store. I just don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I don't want to look over my shoulder while I'm eating hotcakes. Oh, yeah. No, it's no problem. Uh, out of those uh, top three spots, all right. Waffle House, as I said, packs the most calories at 979. McDonald's, on average, 788 calories, and Taco Bell, 723. So a little, a uh, little more health conscious by sure. going to the to the uh, running. There might the be some beans there. in there. That's good. See, I think the biggest contribution there is not the food; it's the the access ability drive through. You sure. don't have to go in and sit in the uh, yeah. Waffle House doesn't have a drive through, does it? I don't think no. so. Top three drunk orders for women at Taco Bell. Tacos, quesadillas, and nachos. For men, tacos, burritos, and cheesy gordita crunches. I have put together my uh, top three Pittsburgh-centric late-night eateries. Like, where do I want to go? I bet I could guess number one. For Everybody can. But number three, I'm going to go with the Eaton Park. Eaton Park. Classic. Spent a lot of Saturday nights there. (laughs) Well, Sunday mornings. Super Burger. Yes. So and good. I would have gone Tom's Diner there too, but I, I mean, it's not on the south side anymore. Is the one in Dormont still? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But are they open late? I don't think I don't they know. are. I may be wrong about that. I did love Tom's Diner. Yeah, on the south side, that was. Yeah, that was Remember, our were spot you around too. when there was a diner on 51? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it By was. By the uh, salt yes. thing? George's. Couldn't remember the name, but yeah, spent yeah. a lot of late nights there too. Yeah, that place got shut down every four days. <laughs> it was so gross. Um, but it was, you know, last resort. You'd go down there. What was the so, place? It was right down where Kelly O's is now. It was in the strip district. It used to be, oh, JoJo's. JoJo's. JoJo's was a spot we'd hit super late night. Yeah. Kelly O cleaned it up considerably. Yeah. Uh, Eaton Park would be number three. My number two, Permanis. I mm. love crushing that late night Permanis. Yeah, There's that's a big one. nothing. How open? I mean, how late are they open? Southside one's open until two. I know that. I, yeah, because we've we've gone and grabbed sandwiches there to take back to your house. Yeah, twenty two <laughs> of them or whatever. Um, number one, even though it isn't open late anymore, Fiori's. I can't oh, yeah. Yeah. pizza, but Fiori's, not just pizza. Gotta be Fiori's. I don't think I've ever had it. <gasps> Let's go. <laughs> wow. We're going for lunch today. That's unacceptable. Two cuts, get you a coke. Live in the south. Sit at the bar stools. Yeah, I don't, don't think it. That's up off Liberty Avenue, West well, Liberty Avenue. Well, there's two of them. There's a like by the BP. There's station. a hoity-toity one out in the burbs right now. Yeah, but there's you gotta one get down the, McMurray. They get so busy, they don't even answer the phone. I've heard they're just like slammed. They're like, we. What are we gonna do? Oh, I've been in there. What do you want? Five. It's real you nice. Want a five-hour wait. Uh, they got those nice like little rock walls. Do they? Do they really? You know, the the little rock like veneers. Thing, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. fancy. Yeah, the one downtown, there's just, or, or the one in, uh, on uh, Brookline there on. West Liberty? Yeah, but it's, is it, that's not Brookline Boulevard coming down there. I can't remember no. what street that is. They have actual rocks. 
Yeah. You kind of step yeah. over. No, it's cobblestone. Yeah. Yeah. It's all cobblestone. I used to love when you'd order a whole pie and they'd be like, all right, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And then you go to the bar next door, have a couple of there. Catch a couple Never of did that. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Highly recommend it. All right. So there. Anything that- you ever want, ever, just call a pizza shop. Ask for it. They'll be like, Give me 20 minutes. But I recognize these three things. That is true no matter what. It's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. It's like the Pittsburgh Jimmy King uh, thing. I have 17 pies and can you build me a car? It's always 20 minutes. Give me 20. These are specific to where I live and where I hang out. Mm-hmm. Is there something I miss? We're down at Carnegie. They got to have some late night eateries. Mm. Not a whole lot? Well, the, the poor house. Poor house is awesome. Yeah. But I don't think they're I don't know. They don't serve food till two o'clock. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. What about East End, Bill? Minios. I mean, I was always Aiello's and Minios yeah. late night. Stop in, get a couple cuts off the top. Maybe a couple cuts of Sicilian. Oh. So good. Soak up all the booze. Nice bready pizza. Oh yeah. It's the best. It's the greatest. Wake up. Everyone else has a hangover. You feel fine. Yeah. I mean, I would good. I, I would put Honestly, I would put sheets on that on that map. I'll I'll allow it because every time, <laughs> like I was coming home from a, a late night gig, yep, seeing a sheets, it was mm-hmm. like and just, they just a glowing, amazing. I like going to sheets now because I don't go as often as I used to because I'm not doing those late night gigs. But every time I have a chance to go, they've upgraded everything so much. Like it's a completely different. It's like a Star Wars experience going into sheets now. And when you go I to think one you can out just in the think boonies, Alexa's one for you. You know, <laughs> if you're out in the boonies and you go to a sheets, it is cracking in there. It's, it's like a nightclub. <laughs> Everybody's in there in their sweatpants and <laughs> country music. You get some sheets. Uh, Luke Bryan's screaming out of somebody's balls. truck. Good times. All right, so there you go. Just remember, when you go to Drunk Eat this weekend, you're throwing in an average of 780 calories down before you go to bed. And I'm fine with that trade-off. Not to mention how much you you put in in booze before that. Right. So you got to eat accordingly during the day. It's always best when planning on binge drinking to not eat a lot. Yeah. Don't worry about a base. Save your calories. Save those calories. (laughs) <laughs> that's a real it's a recipe for a nice night of drinking. How many? Don't eat very much before you go out. Do we know how many calories like an average Pramani's plate would be? Those like, are very healthy. I think about 110 sam- calories total. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. About nine. Uh, Slim. About nine total grams of fat, which isn't too bad. No. I think about 88 grams of protein. So I think you're all that's, right. Yeah. There's only like Perfect. eight carbs in those, right? Yeah. Pramani's is healthy food. I don't think anybody's ever added those numbers. It's good up. for your belly. What do you got next? Uh, we're going to talk about the surprising place you'll get food poisoning. At Richie Sambora's house? No. Richie Sambora joins us at 9.15 <laughs> to talk about his brand new album that's coming up. What's the tire gauge? Remember that thing I put on your girl bike? <laughs> yes. The other day? Oh, that's a tire gauge? Yeah. Remember when Scott Paulson changed your tire? <laughs> yes, I do, Val. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it, no, did here, Scott hold the, the car up with his left hand and change the tire yeah, with his right? He really did. That seems like yeah. he was like that Thor character from Adventures and Babysitting, <laughs> where he just saved me on the side of the road. Scott could just do everything. Like it, it was like twenty of course below. You wouldn't change your tire. I, I feel He's like the manliest man. It was so cold outside, and I was like, Scott, I'll just call AAA. He was like, That's embarrassing. I'm in your car. I'm not letting you call AAA. <laughs> I'm in your car. That's so fun.
He's like, I'm not sitting here for 45 minutes while you wait for another man to fix your style. Yeah. <laughs> another man. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It is three minutes after nine at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 64 at DVE. The news is brought to us by the new PPG Science Pavilion at Carnegie Science Center. Built to inspire, I'm Val Porter. Today is Flag Day. The idea of setting aside a day to celebrate the American flag was suggested in 1885 by Wisconsin school teacher B.J. Seagrand. He wanted June 14th to be the date because the Stars and Stripes were adopted as the official design of the U.S. flag on June 14th of 1777. The idea grew in popularity until 1916 when President Woodrow Wilson released a proclamation making June 14th National Flag Day. And on August 3rd, 1949, President Harry Truman signed an act of Congress designating June 14th of each year as National Flag Day. When is Confederate Flag Day? (laughs) If you are looking for employment, the Trump administration is holding a job fair. A report from Politico says an email was sent to Republicans on Capitol Hill Wednesday advertising an upcoming job fair. The subject line of the email asked, interested in a job at the White House? The email says the executive branch job fair is scheduled for tomorrow afternoon and is looking for job seekers of every experience level. The administration is looking to fill positions in the Defense Department, Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, (laughs) NASA, Interior, Commerce, Energy and the Treasury. The ad says candidates for the positions will be serious conservatives to fill the slots from junior positions all the way up to assistant secretary. Listed it on Monsters.com. (laughs) <laughs> a majority I monster.com yeah monsters. monsters.com might be a different thing yeah uh <laughs> a majority of american christians envision god as a young white male that is uh what they found in a study by the university of north carolina at chapel hill they looked at uh or they talked to 500 people the study said despite pop culture consistently showing god as an older white dignified man 300 men and 181 women said they view God as younger and more friendly. But they also found people really think God looks like them. So older people saw God as older, attractive people thought God was more attractive, and African-Americans saw marginally more African-American God. Researchers wrote the results, paint a picture of an American God who is kinder and more approachable than the God of the Sistine Chapel. I think you said that wrong. (laughs) 16th Chapel? The ugly people thought God was ugly. Nerds thought God was a nerd. Brad Pitt. It's kind of a weird. I don't know. Don't you always think of him as an old dude? I always yeah. think of him as a killer. Like with white hair and Yeah, I wouldn't think Brad Pitt. No. Jesus, that's different. Yeah, Jesus was thirty three. Thirty three years old. You know? Right. Carpenter? Well, be a millennial. Jesus now would probably be a hipster. For sure. Yeah. Got the full beard going. Yeah, but the God thing, you don't, th- I think more like, I don't know, what David Letterman looks like right now. Not yeah, Brad a little Pitt, bit. Right. But better hair on top. Yes. More flowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Jerry Garcia. Uh, more so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. No yeah. glasses, though. No, no glasses. Mm-mm. No, because it would be it would be weird if God didn't have good vision. <laughs> right. He would do way less heroin. <laughs> <laughs> when you get food poisoning, they blame it on something you ate, right? Yes. 
Well, the American Society for Microbiology just had its annual meeting in Atlanta. One of the studies they presented found it's very possible to get food poisoning from your kitchen towels. Researchers looked at 100 towels after they'd been used for a month. Who doesn't wash their towels for a month? Yeah, who, who, who would do that? I think Randy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Half of them had a potentially dangerous level of bacteria on them. The odds were even higher depending on different factors like how many people used the towels and if they were used for drying hands and dishes. I'm starting to feel bad about washing my car with them. <laughs> I remember my mom yelling at me once because she's like, that's not for drying your hands. That's for drying the dishes. The other one's for your hands. Oh, my God. I wipe my hands on those things all day for different reasons. Yeah. So if you use one towel to dry the dishes and your hands, that boosts bacteria. One way to lower your risk, wash your hands longer, at least 20 seconds with hot water. Uh, That way there's not as much leftover bacteria when you do dry them on the towel. And uh, maybe wash the towels more often. I sing happy birthday twice because that's what they say to do to time it out when Mm -hmm. you're washing your hands. But then I started doing it really fast. So I thought, well, I better add a third time. So then I started singing (laughs) happy birthday three times. And then it just seemed like I was an absolute crazy And now you're doing it like the micro machines guy? Yeah. Super fast? Yeah. And I always, and plus, like Larry David did it in that one Woody Allen movie when his name was Morris or something. He's like, happy birthday, dear Morris. And then I would start saying that to myself, Morris, because that was like when it. I remembered, oh, yeah, yes. you're supposed to do that. And then I just really felt like it was making me even more OCD crazy than I already am. So uh, I just go for like, you know, a nice little. These feel clean. Let it go for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do a little scrub. Yeah, let's like, I'm not trying going. to perform surgery. Uh, here's Not something, up to the elbows. <laughs> no. Here's something gross I do, and I need to be shamed about it. I clean the kitchen counter with the the uh, sponge oh. that you're supposed to clean the dishes with. How bad is that, you think? I mean, if you well, want to spread bacteria you, all over your counter, I, you, it's the best way to do it. Are you wiping up raw chicken juice and then washing the dishes with it? I mean, me personally, no. <laughs> but I don't know where that sponge has been. Did you ever see that one show where they showed how chicken juice gets all over the place in your kitchen like you think you're being even with those new peel back tops they have that when you open it it's just spraying bacteria all over the place that's why they say you shouldn't wash it either right you shouldn't rinse it off because it just sprays the juice everywhere (laughs) meanwhile i used to wash it off constantly yeah I eat too much. Chicken. You got to go outside now when you open your chicken pack packets that's what i do then the the juice will attract the raccoons oh no (laughs) <laughs> can't win a can, museum can, is that true i don't know oh okay but then you i can mean they get in the garbage strangle the raccoon with your dish towel yeah, <laughs> and use it to wash to dry the dishes the raccoons will all get food poisoning oh, <laughs> oh god i got it from that guy's dish I towel eat? yeah right they don't get food poisoning from anyone no i saw the most terrifying thing i've ever seen uh across the street from us there's this sewer and a raccoon came out of it. Oh, my God. Like the clown from It. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, raccoons can climb 23 stories. Yeah, we saw that one so, in Minnesota. Terrified. 
A museum containing a Kurt Cobain exhibition is being declared a complete loss as a result of a fire. The blaze broke out last Saturday at the Aberdeen Museum of History in the late Nirvana frontman's hometown of Aberdeen, Washington. Cobain exhibit contained rarities and pieces from the late singer's personal collection. The Aberdeen fire chief called the loss a massive destruction of historic items and a devastating loss for the city. And finally, comic book legend Stan Lee has a restraining order against his businessman manager. Court documents allege that Kia Morgan has isolated Lee from his family and other associates and moved him out of his home earlier this month and into a condo. Just days ago, Lee had said in a video posted on Twitter that Morgan was his only partner and business manager. Uh, Morgan told TMZ he feels Lee's daughter is behind this filing. The judge who issued the temporary restraining order scheduled a July 6th hearing on a request to make it permanent. This happened to Casey Kasem, didn't it? Like, wasn't his wife holding him yes. cap? Oh, that's what his kids alleged. His kids, I his, feel like somebody else it happened to. There was something weird with that, too. There was, I swear, there somebody threw, like, raw meat at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Speaking r- of raw chicken hamburger juice. being... Yeah. That was that was a strange story. Casey Kasem, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The raw hamburger part. But, but I don't remember the details of like it. Like, he had been kidnapped or something? Like... Yes, yeah, his wife, Jean... Yeah, she played um, Carl, Carla's stepmom, right? No, she played Ex-husband. Nick Tortelli's um, new wife, wife on Cheers, Carla's ex-husband's new wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think she might have done some Tonight Show stuff back in the day when she was just a you know ditzy blonde chick in Hollywood bopping around. But uh, very weird story with Casey Kasem. There was the raw hamburger meat that his uh, his wife threw it at their daughter or something, or, or Casey Kasem's daughter. Yeah, it was a big battle between his kids and her. Oh, her kitchen counters must have been a mess. <laughs> Don't use the hand towels at the Kasem no, house. No, do not. Sunny and breezy, 80 for the high today. We're at 64 at DVE. How are we doing over there, Joe? Joe's on the phone. I don't know if that means wait a little bit or what. We're about to find out. As Joe hangs up the phone. No. Oh, no? We're good oh to we go. got him on right now? Hey. He's got a brand new album out. And uh, you just saw him get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's the one and only Richie Sambora, ladies and gentlemen. Richie, good morning. How are you, man? What's happening? Breakfast from New Jersey. Uh, I'm in New Jersey at my mom's house. Did you get you got pork roll, egg, and cheese or what? Nah, I got an uh, egg sandwich with uh, bacon and stuff on it. You don't go for the Taylor ham? I do like Taylor ham. A lot, but my, my mom didn't have it. She just made me a sandwich, so I'm very happy. Did you go to the shore <laughs> all the time when you were a kid? Oh, of course. Which beach? Well, I also played. You know, I also played down there. Oh, right, right, right. What beach uh, did you park at as a kid? Seaside Heights. Oh yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. I mean, yeah, New, New Jersey Heights. through and through. Yeah, even all, you know, all up and down the coast. And right now, I'm in Point Pleasant. I bought my mom that house in Point Pleasant years ago. Which is also a great beach and a great boardwalk, and uh, as obviously Asbury Park, you know. How incredible is that? I mean, you have lived all of your dreams already. Uh, there's a couple of. What's left? I don't know. I'm just trying to make them up. Because <laughs> you lived all your dreams. There you go. You got yeah, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I I've had an extraordinary blessed life. You know, uh, I've been able to have a lot of longevity in my career, obviously, which is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it all attributes down to um, the foundation of our business, which is writing good songs that people can relate to. I mean, 
uh, and uh, I learned how to do that. I guess you know once you, once you hit it, like we're living on a prayer, stuff like that, where everybody on the planet has been in that situation that you know we're singing about in that song, and uh, you know the songwriting just escalated from that point and uh, hasn't stopped. So well, if you ask me about my dreams, <clears throat> my dreams to go out there and take this after the people now and uh, just keep writing great songs and making great music. How did you, like, after it was all said and done, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, and Howard was saying all that, you know, this great stuff about you, and uh, you're honored for your life's work with Bon Jovi. How did you feel about the whole thing after it was all said and done, when you get a chance to reflect on it? Like, uh, aside from the actual honor of being inducted among your peers, which has to be the ultimate honor for any artist, the actual event, what did you think? I thought it was really great. I mean, we had a ball. I mean, you know, obviously to get acknowledged... Uh, you know, by the Hall of Fame. It's an amazing, amazing honor. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say nothing, but <clears throat> it's about time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> but, you know, there's, like half the people that get inducted are dead. That is <laughs> and true. aren't rock and roll. I mean, it's the Music yeah, Hall of Fame. Aren't rock and roll. Yeah. Aren't rock and roll. But that, you know... Uh, there's so many different, uh, uh, you know, speeds of rock and roll, and, and there's so many different elements of R&B and blues that are in rock and roll and exist in rock and roll also, so I don't understand that. But, uh, I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. I didn't know it was going to come around. I, I, you know, Ori and I were off doing the RSO project here, having a ball, mm-hmm. and also touring the world. You know, we were playing a lot of festivals all over the world, and then we would play theaters. So it's been a constant kind of... Uh, barrage of uh, music you know all we did was uh, we've been living music and loving it, loving it again there's a new it was a kind of a renewed uh you know vigor for it for mm-hmm. us and uh we've been just we just do a lot of we just do a lot of, i don't even call it work because i enjoy it so much but uh you know we were working with the great bob rock uh, right a friend of mine obviously he's, he's just brilliant which bon jovi albums did he do for you guys uh, slippery, New Jersey, and keep the Yeah, pretty good. Uh, good track record there. That's about sixty-five million records worth of yeah. stuff. <laughs> that's crazy. So, you know, we and we had a blast. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of years, and we just had such a good time. We just we he built a, a studio in my kitchen for us. Right, that kick ass, by the way. I mean, in your kitchen. Yeah. Good acoustics. I don't know. I just you know I remodeled my house. And I have to have a I have to have a big kitchen. Ori likes to cook, and she's a, she should have her own show like Rachel Ray for God's sake. I mean, I don't know how I'm not back. <laughs> but there was a smorgasbord every day. I swear to God, endless smorgasbord every day. And, you know, I was riding the musicians and uh, and uh, producers and everything pretty hard. We'd work ten, twelve hours a day every day. So that's pretty cool. All right, so in that's your kitchen, it's a weird uh, weird place to set up. But if it's right by the food, I, I get it. You and Ori putting <laughs> these together, the RSO. Uh, a brand new album. Uh, I'm wondering when I hear about this album and what little I heard, uh, you don't want to be confined to a genre has achieving as much as you have in your career in uh, Bon Jovi and beyond. Do you now feel the freedom that like, you know what? I don't need to just stay, you know, doing one thing. I can really put out an album that has all kinds of, of influences uh, wearing it right out there on my sleeve. Oh, absolutely. You know, cause you know, Hey, when you're in this big mechanism that, uh, that is Bon Jovi, <clears throat> you're out there 
And we would tour for like, our last tour was 52 countries in 18 and a half months. So, you're, you know, a lot of things change. With, you know, all kind of stuff happens. And, uh, but you're also kind of locked into what, you know, what the band is. Yeah, you can't so, do a Latin feel tune on a Bon Jovi album. <laughs> you know, you go back and listen to my solo records. They're very diversified also. But this time, me and Ari really, you know, tried to cover as many genres as, as we could and own them. You know, at this point, you have to, it has to be dug in deep where there's no question that you hit it. And uh, we hit it every time. It was really great. You know, I was really, really, I'm really proud of this record and I'm proud of the exploration of genre. And, uh, but yet it still has the cohesion of what sounds like RSO. What's the significance so, of the title Radio Free America? Well, <coughs> excuse me. It actually came from, I don't know, people aren't going to remember, but Radio Free Europe sure. was how our troops in Europe got news, got music, all of that. And it was very important for the morale of everybody, right? And in America, especially like you were talking about with me, I have the freedom to do, you know, uh, artistically, basically, you know, what I want to do. And uh, I think I know after all these years what people like and don't. <laughs> if I didn't, I would suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, that, that's the significance of it. And it was Radio Free America in, uh, in my house, and this record has so many different genres. I guess that was the freedom I was talking about. If you could go out and insert yourself into any classic band of all time, for just the sheer fun of getting to jam, who would you choose? Oh, my God. There's just too many. Come on. Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, The Stones, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, just everybody. Everybody. Yeah, you got to jam with just about everybody who's alive, though. Yep. Everybody. There's the... I, I made a significant dent. There's the, I like to play with everybody. Yeah. You know, so if somebody's in town and they know... You know, and I go to the show, they're inevitably going to call me up. Yeah. Obviously, I just played with Bruce not too long ago down in Australia. He called me up and I got to join the E Street Band for 45 minutes. How cool so, is that? Uh, very cool, you know. You know, it's funny now. What happens is, as I've, as I've grown up in this business, uh, you know, I've played with so many different people. And it's, 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 always, it's, always, a, it's always an honor and a pleasure because here... <laughs> Even like, you know, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, uh, you, you know, all of a sudden, cats that were, you know, and girls that were, you know, my heroes and I was emulating when I was a, when I was a kid, now are my friends. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a trip. A lot of fun. Yeah. Who, who, would, who would have ever thought that would happen, you know? Right. So, you know, being, uh, being measured against your peers and being honored by them, that's really, you know, that's the goal of any artist. And here you are now putting out all this stuff, Radio Free America, RSO, you and uh, Orianthe, and the two of you play really well together. You guys really tear it up. Yeah, Chet, thank you very much. You know, we did it kind of ass backwards, because uh, when I left the band, I just started, I wanted to book some gigs. And so we got right out there and started playing festivals and theaters and stuff. And, you know, we, we hadn't written anything then. But uh, in the in two years after that, we were so prolific, we wrote about 70 songs. 70? Yeah, it was My unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, we just, we handed, uh, you know, our fans in the public 15 now. And then we have another 10 recorded, another five on the Barbie, and then there's another 50 after that that we have to get to. 
Well, and the writing and the writing hasn't stopped. You know, mm-hmm. we built the studio in our kitchen. Bob Rock, you know, when Bob Rock was a pleasure this year. I mean, you could see we really, it really was a good gel. You know, but Ori and I went out and we worked first. So we, we got our sound together and our vocal blend together. And I think I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It sounds very fresh. You know, doesn't sound like anybody else put it that way. How much do you fall back on your New Jersey roots from a songwriting perspective? When you think of like going back to Doo Wop, Dion, and everything that that Bruce uh, was able to put into what the E Street experience was, what you guys were able to put into Bon Jovi, how often do you find yourself like needing to have that New Jersey influence in your music? No, you know, not that much, but it always, you know, it, as they say, you can take the boy out of New Jersey, but not the Jersey out of the boy. So right. you know that influence creeps in. I mean, just. You know, from a Bruce standpoint, who's, again, one of my friends, um, just the way he approaches a lyric, I'm sure uh, some of that stuff could come through on this record. You know, so from me, and uh, I did do a lot of lyrics on this record, which is, uh, you know, people don't sometimes think just because I'm a guitar player that I'm not a lyricist. Mm -hmm. if If you listen to my solo albums and things like that, you know, I covered a lot of genre back then, too. So, uh, how, how has your singing you know, voice I'm, held I'm up through the years? I'm just sharpening my tools, my friend. I'm just sharpening my tools. Yeah. Well, how's the singing tool? How do you feel your voice is uh, kept up through the years? That's the hardest one to keep in shape. That's better. Yeah? Oh, by far. More miles on it? More character? You know, it's just settled in. I mean, let's do a song like uh, on on the record, and it's, uh, you know, I, I basically... I'm saying this as well as I did in, uh, in my life, or better. And then live, we take it out and killing it. Well, you know, I, I, still, I, I take vocal lessons. I still take vocal lessons. Do you really? Yeah. Well, you got to keep in shape. You got to keep your chops. See, he's a pro. Mm-hmm. Listen to him, kids. Even Richie Sambora's taking lessons. Oh, I'm telling you, honestly, we all do. You know, I'm, I'm my vocal coach uh, is a guy, uh, Ron Anderson. He, he was he was with Michael Jackson. Alicia Keys. I mean, everybody goes to it. You know, Stevie Wonder went to it. So, you know, it's all about, you know, if you want to get better at something, uh, I'm the first guy to raise my hand and say, help. Help. I'd love to. Because, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I taught myself how to play guitar, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way you teach yourself how to play guitar is by mistake, right? Because you just run into a wrong chord or a wrong note on the solo or something like that, and then you sit and you keep going, and you figure it out. And uh, But you get you get some thick skin because you're not afraid to make mistakes and get out there and go, oops, that's not good, you got to do something else. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, but when it comes down to vocals, there's an art to it uh, to keep your voice in good shape and also, you know, learn how to do things, you know. My voice is higher than it's ever been. Uh, you know, trying to increase your range, things like that, so you have more dexterity as a, as a vocalist. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out the rest of the album, Radio Free America by RSO, Richie Sambora and Orianthe. Available now, Amazon.com, iTunes. Make sure you check it out. Richie, pleasure talking with you, man. Continued success and keep cranking out all this music. You got it, bro. Okay, man. We'll see you later. That's ho- that's that's Hall of Famer, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. That's pretty cool. Richie Sambora. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget that. Speaking of Hall of Famer, Wall of Famer, Stan Saverin coming up here momentarily. Um. DVE Sports. All right. 
Mike Pursuit has got a sports update for you right now on the DVE Morning Show. What's the word? Sports is are brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. Let's wrap up our examination of pressure and how the Steelers deal with it and how often they feel with it and uh, try to get a little bit deeper than uh, some of the stuff that uh, Antonio Brown rambled about as a vet- mandatory veteran minicamp opened on Tuesday. Uh, Cam Hayward told me yesterday that uh, as Antonio Brown seems to be doing now, there are times when Hayward succumbs to the pressure. The difference between Antonio Brown and Cam Hayward is Hayward said he will never admit to as much publicly. I'm not going to let you know that. <laughs> no, uh, there are times, but that's why I, I go back home and I look at my family and, you know, I'm able to calm back down. Uh, but on the on the field, never. You know, I look forward to those moments because, you know, pressure, makes, pressure either burst pipes or makes uh, diamonds. I look forward to it because, you know, at the end of the day, you get to challenge yourself. Um, and that's what this game of football is about. Pressure is looming. <laughs> It's a new catchphrase. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> where, where do I get a T-shirt? <laughs> Draw them up. Right after the Ovi T-shirt. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva <laughs> had a lot to say on the subject, as he does most subjects. And uh, Villanueva maintained that while no individual wins or loses a game, you know nobody is, is responsible for the result on their own. Uh, individuals, uh, nonetheless are under a pressure that is very real. The game depends on too many people. You know, the, the game doesn't depend just on you. Um, the media, it, it is almost like a bullish market. You know, they'll, they'll find an excuse and they'll just, they'll ride it, you know, and there'll be narratives about the game that, you know, maybe two or three narratives about what happened and what went wrong that, that carry a lot of weight, even though the game is probably um, a little bit different when you watch it, from, you know, with, with coaches and people that know the game. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, it's, 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 you know, a lot of fans, you know, the, the, first of all, you're making a lot of money. You know, that's one thing you have to understand. Uh, you're always competing not just against your teammates and the guy that's behind you on the depth chart, but you're competing against every free agent that's available or every free agent that's going to be available the next year. Uh, you also have to understand that there's salary cap decisions. And if your salary cap is, if your cap hit, it doesn't match or it doesn't justify keeping you on the team, you're going to be, you know, probably let go. Um, and... You know, the other thing is, is and probably the most important one is, is, is your teammates. You know, I don't, I don't really care about the fans because I have no social media, and I really, I'm not a very social person. You're not going to find me at a baseball game uh, or, or a hockey game. But, um, but, but, but your teammates know, and that's that's what that's what hurts hurts me the most. It's, it's, it's when you know I allowed a pressure and and Le'Veon was open or Juju was open or AB was open or Eli was open and, and, and he was not able to get the ball out clean and complete the catch and that could have been a first down or when you miss a block and you know it could have been a great run but now it's not and now we're in a poor situation down in distance we have to punt. That's that's personally and emotionally what really hurts me because I'm letting my, they got to my left and right down and um, you know ultimately can't come home with a victory even if it doesn't affect sometimes the, the outcome of the game I think um, you know your teammates and the guys that you see every single day are the most important people to you and so I try to I try to not let them down and I try to hold myself accountable for for my mistakes so that it doesn't happen in the future he, he did kind of smile and nod when he said daddy he knows everybody knows he went to that Penguins game and poured beer all yeah, over. Yeah, that's why he doesn't go to the hockey game. Yeah, Because when he goes, that's how he does it. Right. Because <laughs> the pressure gets to him and he's just got to pour beer all over. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know those late third period power plays, how do you deal with that? Right. Ah! 
I mean, all of the things he said, though, I think we we dramatically underestimate how many guys really understand those things he's talking about. Because as soon as they get in the league, it's a rush to learn the playbook and try to make the squad. And nobody's really thinking about all those other dimensions and, and, and aspects of, of the profession. Yeah, the extent that he broke that down, and, and everybody knows this, but I think you forget, you're competing against everybody else in the league. You're not just playing for the guy next to you. You're playing to stay ahead of the guy who's backing you up. You're playing to make sure that your team perceives you to be better than the free agents who are going to be available in a couple of months. Uh, you're playing to justify your cap number so that you can keep playing. There's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of layers to this. That's why uh, they make so much money. You know, it's uh, it's hard to get there and it's hard to stay there, and that can wear you out if you don't handle it the right way. Um, Veteran uh, minicamp wraps up today on the south side. After that, the Steelers will take some time off until July the 25th when everybody is scheduled to report to St. Vincent College. Defensive coordinator Keith Butler spoke with the media yesterday and uh, gave what I found to be a accurate perspective on uh, where the Steelers are in terms of uh, how, sh- how should they view going 13-3 and last year in terms of what it means going into this season. We won five games last year, kicking a field goal at the end. Y'all know that, and uh, you know that one field goal at the end is different than thirteen and three and eight and eight. Eight and eight is mediocre. You know, thirteen thirteen three is okay, only okay uh, if you if you look at the regular season. It ain't worth the crap when you look at uh, at postseason. You know what I mean? Because we're all in one then. And I was just a little bit off on the math. They won four games with late field goals. They won five games by three points or fewer. But his, his point is nonetheless well taken. 13-3 and three easily could have been a lot worse. And, you know, they were opportunistic. They found ways to win. Credit them for that. But uh, they were not as dominant as 13-3 and three would suggest in the regular season. And in the postseason, they were just flat out not good enough. And I think it's a big difference going into this year. Uh, I'm not saying they can't win, but last year I think it was – reasonable to perceive the Steelers as a team that simply had to figure out how to beat New England to get back to the Super Bowl. And it was reasonable to suspect that a healthy Le'Veon Bell would allow them to beat New England and get back to the Super Bowl. I think they are in a much different place going to Latrobe this year. Uh, they got a lot of they have a lot of potential, but they have a lot of stuff to sort out. Stan Savern coming up next on DV. The DVE morning show. Stan Savern is hanging out with us right now. Stan from uh, ESPN Radio, 970-106-3 FM. Stanley, good morning. How are you? Morning, everyone. How you doing? You got the 970 shirt on. I do, but uh, this is how old it is. Um, This all used to be red. <laughs> that might have something to do with my laundry skills or lack of. Skills. Yeah, that's because it looks. On the gold. bright side, the white looks very bright. The white looks pretty bright. Yeah, yeah. Looks gold now. On the bleach. Mm-hmm. Um, should Vasquez change his name back to Rivera? I wish he would change his name back to Melanson <laughs> or Matt Caps or you know something or Elroy Face. How about Teak? Yeah, how about Teak? What if he changed his name to Sean Rodriguez? Then he could really rack up some strikeouts. <laughs> then we could start him at shortstop, too, and then just bring him in left-handed shortstop. I don't know. I don't get it. How'd they win yesterday? In spite of him, they managed to win. 
Tyone, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, you know, he's the problem. They have, they have many, as Chuck Noll would say, they have many problems and they are great. Uh, one of which, <laughs> however, is their starting rotation is very inconsistent. There's only been, as by my count, there's only been one starter who's had four consecutive what's considered to be a quality start, and that's Joe Musgrove. And he's only had four starts. Tyon's supposed to be an ace. He pitched well yesterday, but if you look at all their starters, you seldom get four quality starts in a row. I mean, it begins mm-hmm. there. The starters generally, and it wasn't the case yesterday because Tyon went seven, they generally are out after five, maybe six. So what does that mean? That means you have to go to the bullpen earlier than you'd like, and that exposes a bullpen that's weak to begin with. The one anchor that you counted on was Vasquez. Uh, what's happened to him? I don't know. The last pitch he threw, not that speed is everything, was 100 miles an hour. It's the only one he threw. He's in the, in the upper 90s. Um, but, you know, you never know what you're going to get from him. Uh, his previous appearance, as I recall, was a 1-2-3 inning, but that was in a 7-1 game. I just want to get him some work. The game's on the line. He's wild. Um, he gives up too many hits per inning. And ERA often isn't a great or the best indicator for a relief pitcher because if you had one bad outing, when you're only pitching two-thirds of an inning or an inning at a time, if you have one bad outing, and they all do, you know, it's tough to bring that down. But we've seen um, very inconsistent. At best. What a drag. I wanted the Buccos to have like a nice run here coming up, like just to turn it around a little bit before the Fourth of July, because that, that's the everybody will give up on them if they continue to slide. They've lost eight straight series. If that mm-hmm. continues, forget it. PNC Park will be a graveyard. Yeah, I think there's seven and eighteen of the last twenty-five. They do have a ten-game homestand coming up beginning tomorrow night. But after they have the Reds for three, who by the way are getting slightly better, then you got Milwaukee and Arizona. Um, so it's not going to be easy pickings, but my biggest concern is not the fan. I mean, there's a there's a larger issue there, uh, but I wonder about a team that begins to kind of give up on itself. Um, and if you go in without much expectations, then you have the start that they have. You know, I think it's important they begin to believe a little bit, and now you kind of it's subconscious. They're still trying. Don't get me wrong. But I think you said, oh, well, you know, this is kind of us. This is what we thought we might be. And, you know, it just becomes easier to lose. Does Antonio Brown's outburst mean anything? I don't think so uh, because we've seen it before. Um, and it's clear now that the A and AB stands for asinine. I mean, it's just it's – just, Asinine Brown. Asinine <laughs> Brown. There will be there will be an NFL or a player at one point named Asinine Brown. Uh, it just you know it's it's so ridiculous. Um, too much attention, but you know it's all about you know gold shoes and you know driving. What, what was that car that he was that a Bentley that he had all drove to training camp one year? I think it was gold. Yeah. Whatever you know, and then you know the the Facebook stuff. Whatever. I, I I'm beginning to wonder this though, and I this is going to be the lead topic in my show today. Um, all this stuff that always seems to go on with them, A.B. in particular, Le'Veon Bell. Ben and Mason, Villanueva. That, there's, whatever. There's nonstop storylines going on. Yeah, right, exactly. But especially A.B. and Le'Veon Bell because they're nonsensical. As dedicated as fans are to the Steelers, 
does this make it tougher for you as a fan to like them? Or it's the Steelers. You're going to you know, put your heart and soul and emotion into it. When they win, you want them to win. You want them to win a Super Bowl. Or does this chip away at that? I mean, are people tired of this to the point where it actually even slightly erodes their devotion and dedication to the team? Stan, who do you got on the show today? Well, Double M, Mark Madden, I know what he thinks about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking to um, Mark Cabali of The Athletic, uh, covering minicamp and you know talking about all these issues. And then a really fascinating guest at 120, um, Nick Boynton, who wrote an amazing article in the Players' Tribune. For those who don't know, he was a fighter in the NHL for about 11 years. Uh, he has suffered some serious issues, brain-related. And he wrote an article about the way he earned his living. He doesn't apologize for it, but also about the way when he went, finally asking for some help from teams on two different occasions, he said, you know, I don't feel right in my head and whatever. He said he believes he has at least between eight and ten diagnosed concussions. But, of course, oh, a guy like that, you know, if he doesn't go out there and not only play, but, you know, he was a goon. That's what he, he was, and he recognizes ask. that. He went to a club once and said, you know, I don't feel right. Um, uh, he was traded within a week. He, and then he, traded, he went to the club that he was traded for, and again he was, you know, feeling, you know, wobbly and so on and so forth, and he asked them for some help. They traded him immediately. I don't want any about that. And then you read Gary Bettman, sounding much like Paul Tagliabue, oh, we don't think there's any connection between, you know, head hits and CTE, I'm not a doctor, but it sure sounds like Nick Boynton is suffering from CTE. Anyway, um, he spoke out. He said, I, I, he said I'm not, I don't want to die, but I feel like I'm on that path, and I want to say something before something bad happens to me, and he's going to be my guest today at 120. That's great. Wow. Who was the guy in Minnesota that was like the Bugard? That's it. I saw a, a Facebook video yesterday Dan Carcillo did. I didn't have time to watch all of it, but yeah. he, he's talking about the effects that he's feeling. Yeah, he's become an advocate, which I didn't see coming. Yeah, you know, you look at these guys and so on and so forth, and I thought one of the most revealing things that Nick Boynton wrote, he said, I was out there to hurt people. He said, because my job was if I could hurt a key player and the opponent, that would make it easier for my team to win. Most times they say, well, I, I played tough and I played hard. He said, no. And he said, there were many times when he got tapped on the shoulder by a coach which is supposed to be taboo, he said, believe me, they tap you on the shoulder, they want you to go out and get somebody, although many people have denied that. So, Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be great to listen to today. Stan on ESPN Radio, 106.3 FM, 970 AM, noon to 2. And uh, special thanks to Richie Sambor for joining us today, as well his new album, Radio Free America, out and about today. Tomorrow on the show, more stuff. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him tight, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.